Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. It's Tuesday, May 14, 2019. We're on day two of trying not to swear on the radio, and it's uh, working out okay. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. In just a few seconds, we have a special guest co-host, Miss Katie Barberi, filling in for a couple moments. Then later on today, we'll be filled by our regular co-host, Mr. Craig Hurley. We hope you'll call in and tell us what's on your mind over the next hour. You can call us at 347-989-0126. So let's step up onto my soapbox and start talking. Miss Katie Barberi, how the heck are you? Well, I'll tell you. Um, You know, there's going to be no swearing for at least five to ten minutes of this program. That I can guarantee you. There you go. There is no concern. There are not going to be any S words or F words or any of the F, no F bombs coming out of my mouth. After those 10 minutes have gone by, which is what we're hoping I'm, I'm going to be filling in is just for that, uh, then, then, you know, then it's, then it's no holds barred. Then I can't even begin to tell you how at risk you are. <laughs> All bets are off. All bets are All off. All bets are off. Exactly. Exactly. How's everything how in beautiful downtown you, LA dear? today? I'm you know, good. it's one of the smoggiest days I think we've ever seen here. I mean, oh, and, ooh, and you know, Craig and I have lived in and out of LA for many, many years and, and uh, boy, it's smoggy. You can barely see anything. The visibility is pretty bad. Uh, That's Craig, not says, fun. Nice job, 45 on the deregulating. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of smog, lots of smog. And we just paid, now I'd like to stand on my soapbox. I didn't plan on doing that. But we just paid $4.85 a gallon for gas. No. I don't know that I, in my lifetime, have seen it at scarily approaching $5 a gallon. I don't know that I've seen it at that in my lifetime. That is extraordinary extraordinary and frightening. Absolutely frightening. Um, I I I don't even know what to begin uh, to say about that. I was cussing out a storm the other day. Ours went up to 279, but it's back down to 253 now. But I'm not really. I'm not ready to pay those prices. Two fifty three. Well, I just two fifty three. Well, we just paid almost double that for you know just to get wow. to, you know get to my meeting and then and then we'll we'll do something else because that is insane and it's just that's that's where they're at right now. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, LA is always like so high. Lifetime. I mean, it was close to that three years ago when I went there. I remember. But uh, I'm just not looking forward to that. Of course, when I decide to drive cross country again, it goes up again. Last year wasn't yeah, that bad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, that would call the that would be that would be what's known as the law of of that gentleman named Murphy, my friend. That's how that's going to exactly. go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm sad. I'm very sad. You're, about Mr. Conway. I, I why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't the nation? 
you know, the, the whole country be in mourning at this moment. Um, it is the loss of, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the comedy performer ever in the history of the genre. And it, it just is, a, it's a huge loss. He had been, he had been not feeling well for some time. I remember right. he was not on uh, the last special that Carol Burnett did. Might have been the last right. two specials, but um, but definitely the last special uh, that uh, that that we were you know that that she was on uh, we that she did he was he was not able to do it, and uh, so we knew we knew that he wasn't feeling well and we knew that you know right. it was it was difficult, uh, but uh, we lost him. And we lost with him the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest sketch comedy artist ever. You know, he just was an extraordinary so funny. comedian. Uh, no, I mean it was. And I it was, found... You know, there's funny, and then there's what he did. He couldn't. They could never get through Harvey Harvey Corman, uh, Carol Burnett. These are experimented comedians. You know, these are people that know their stuff. I almost right. I almost swore. <laughs> <laughs> I almost messed up the challenge. These are comedians that know their stuff, you know, and, and all of the brilliant uh, guest stars that hey that they would have on, you know, Tim Conway, Conway would just destroy them, just destroy right. them right there on stage. And I don't know what gave us more joy, to see a, a sketch go through smoothly or to see them all fall apart at his just violently. Right, uh, exactly. Hand. It was uh, it was yeah. an extraordinary thing to to witness. Truly, do you remember the the skit about the the elephant? Remember the skit oh, yeah. about the elephant? Oh, yeah. oh god! Uh-huh. Like he just, he, I think it was. I think they were playing. I don't know what they were playing. Monopoly. I don't know, but it was it was Eunice and it was her house, and he just went into this. He went into this uh, this uh, um, improv about being at a circus. And just the different animals that he was seeing, and 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 everybody that no <laughs> one no one could withstand being in on that. At these just everybody just covering their 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 faces with anything they could find, uh, just laughing hysterically. And then I would have to swear to say what what uh, what Carol Burnett said because that little <laughs> mother effort through, and that was what ended the sketch. And you had. Uh, you had Dick Van Dyke and everybody else on the floor like they could not handle it. But he he just enjoyed destroying his co-stars on stage, just absolutely mutilating their good intentions of being, you know, professional, talented performers <laughs> that can see through a sketch and uh, that can get through a sketch. And it just he did it over and over and over again. And he was truly a treasure. And and the world and the entertainment industry have lost uh, and, and apparently maybe the nicest guy in the business. Is what they say. Right. Just the Tom Hanks. Yeah, I of his think era, that elephant yeah. skit and the dentist skit um, had the me on skit. the floor. Oh my yeah. gosh! No, no, they no. Were both and I mean, so but any time, you know, we ran into an episode of of the Carol Burnett Show not too long ago. I don't know. We were just surfing, and it was it was about a soda machine that wouldn't work. And and remember the character that Carol Burnett would play with the with the she stuck her butt out. She was Mrs. Withers or Mrs. Winters or I don't oh, yeah. know. But she I think, was a, I think Wiggins. Ms. The Wiggins. secretary. Yeah. Mrs. Wiggins. Yeah, Mrs. Wiggins. Mrs. Wiggins. Yeah. And how she would drive him crazy. Well, there was this, there, there was this soda machine outside his office that wouldn't work, and it was one of the lesser known skits. She, he still had him on the floor. 
they still could not get through the sketch with him. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that the greatest gift you can bring, you can give somebody is, is laughter many times, you know, it's the greatest, it's the greatest thing you can do, especially in these times. And we have these wonderful memories uh, of, of these, these performances to just, um, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to be laughing through tears. I'm not going to cry. Yes, I am. We're going to be laughing through tears now. So. Yeah. And a lot of them were really the last true, um, physical comedy people of the generation. Lucille Ball, yeah. Carol Burnett, Tim Conway. I mean the only thing we've had close is maybe Jim Carrey. But all of our comedians today they're just they just deliver their jokes. We don't really have oh, well, and physical John comedians. John anymore. Ritter was considered to be well, John that's Ritter. True. John was, Ritter was too. You're right. John you're Ritter right. was considered to John. be one of the greatest. Yeah. yeah. And we lost him some time back. Uh just just very sad. And then as as I it was horrible because I was, as I was doing the social media for the show today, you know, I leave on the first part of, you know, don't miss standing in my soapbox with, with Scott Fullerton and with his co-host Craig Hurley as they talk. And so I, I then put in the topics that you're going to talk about. And it was yesterday, the passing of Doris Day, hashtag Doris Day. And so I just had to replace Doris Day with Tim Conway. It was horrible. Right. And I, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mean to have that lack of sensitivity, but it's just, we lost those two great people, one right after the other over, over 24 hours. Just very and it sad. Says they come in threes. Says they come in threes. We'll have to see what happens. Well, Lena Horne so. I, I haven't even had a chance to put that on social media yet. Lena Horne Oh, Horn I didn't passed. know that. No. She ah, did. Oh my goodness. She sang. I mean, Lena Horn is Lena Horn, and she's a legend, and we will all miss her very sure. much. And one of the pioneers in the industry for African American uh, performers, just extraordinary. But uh, she sang. She sang uh, a song in The Wiz, and she played Glinda, and it was one of my favorite moments as as an actress growing up as a child actress. I would watch her sing that song when I was feeling low and when I was feeling like I needed some inspiration. Um, right. She was, she was an extraordinary performer. So there you go. It comes in threes. So I guess that's hopefully we're not going to have, and oh, and Craig is pointing out Peggy Lipton. So now I hope we're not in oh, the next right. of threes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. Anyway, very sad, very sad yeah. to Yeah, I, I was, to see them I've go. been a huge Carol Burnett fan. In fact, I just ran across, they had, when I was uh, scrolling through uh, Amazon Prime the other night, they have Carol Burnett, The Lost Season, playing right now. Um, they and do I, on and I just Amazon saw that. It's like, yeah, I was going to look that up. I just uh, was scrolling across looking for something else, and I saw that. It's like, oh, i got to get back to that. And now I definitely oh, yeah, want to go back and no, For it. me, it's acting class. I mean, you know, it's yeah. that's you, you need to you need to watch that to remember uh, true comedians and 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 their ability to yeah to perform this physical comedy that we see. You're right. So many comedians now are just delivering their jokes, and you know you rarely see it. Jim Carrey is that he is he is the latest version of that. But I haven't seen a young comedian do uh, kind of the physical comedy. You're right. I don't know if it's they've considered that it's gone out of style or it's just not what. You know, it's uh, it's I I don't know, but it it's uh, yeah, it's missed true great right. uh, physical comedy. So yeah, and, so and what I else? Craig is going talked on, about sir? a little bit yesterday about variety show versus reality show versus something else. 
they were really were variety shows back then. And that was part of the gig being all being physical and having comedy sketches that had the oh, physicality well, he was talking to them. About, he was talking about American Idol and how American Idol, oh, yeah. in his opinion, right. is a variety show. And you said it was, I remember I was listening to this and you said that it was, uh, that it's a reality show because they start the voting from the minute that they, that they go on. Okay. So that changed when the networks from the minute that they, that they go on the air, you can now vote for your, for your contestants. And so right. you said, well, how, how can you yeah, tell like who's going to give the best performance? And so, exactly. you know, if, if you can start voting from there, okay. In their meager defense, well, first of all, that started when, when, when American Idol moved networks because it didn't used to be that way. On Fox, you would have the night of the performances, and then, you would, and then once the show right. was over, the lines would open and you could vote, which I guess was more fair. But I, I feel like ABC just wants to do the one show per week. So that's well, why the that voice changed, changed and they the voice started, started the that. Yeah, the voice show started that voting in the beginning, and ABC just oh, picked really? it up when they – brought it back yeah, I yeah. Watched the voice. So, I, and i, I yeah. have nothing against it i just haven't done it i haven't watched the voice right so yeah. i haven't watched either of them all the way through but i remember that the voice started a couple of years back before idol came back and the i didn't voice, like it then the either voice, as soon as you get as soon as you get on it's as soon as you get uh, as soon as the show starts. right exactly. well okay it's like not it. fair but it is i'm going to tell you why it is because by this time we all know who our artists are and basically what they're going to do. I want to see Alejandro win. Absolutely. 100%. I wanted to see that since, since he, you know, since he, since, since the first time we saw him in the audition process, in the very first audition process, he was a dishwasher at the time, probably somewhere about where we are here in, in LA. And uh, he's just a true artist and I'd like to see him win. But, my point is, because I actually do have one, that by this time we all know what our artists are basically going to do. So it would be weird, you know, for any of them to falter. They pretty much know where their limits are and what it is that they're going to sing and how they're going to do it. And Alejandro's secret has been that he is a, he is a, um, he's an arranger. So he'll take a song that we've all heard a million times and make it new. And that is right. one of the greatest secrets of winning American Idol is to take a song and make it uh, make it new. Something that we're so used to hearing, give it a spin that people aren't used to. More than vocals, it's the ability right. to know who you are, know what know what your niche is, and 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 make things new, make things surprising, and hopefully very pleasing to the ear with the with the new arrangements. And that's what Alejandro does. That kid's a true artist. He's a musician, and he should definitely win. Jeremiah had the best voice of the group. I agree with you 100% because I heard you were a Jeremiah fan. But he was eliminated yeah, at top quick. five. Yeah, uh, he was eliminated at top five. So now, you know, you have to go for whoever else is left that really is, truly is, is, you know, is, is contributing. And I think that's Alejandro. But at this point, if I were voting, which I don't, I would start voting for Alejandro from the minute the show starts or the minute that I'm able to, because I know that what he's going to do is great and what he's going to do. I'm a fan of. So um, I like the show. I I like the show. I've always liked the show and I've always rooted for, you know, some insane, some insane uh, talent has come out of there. Lambert came out of there. Carrie Underwood came out of there. Kelly Clarkson came out of there. Clay Aiken came out of there. Uh, Jennifer Hudson is an Oscar winner. She came out of there. 
it's a really good talent competition. And yet they say that so many really good talent is overlooked in the process. Like there are things. Of course. People, sure. people say, well, how, and they just kind of fall through the cracks. Well, how could you not see this person or how could you not see that person? I mean, it, you know, it, um, it, and they it, have hundreds of thousands of auditions. You're going to have to Absolutely. have some that are going to slip through. It's that just, are it's fall just through the cracks. Absolutely. It numbers, just is right. what it is. Yeah, it just it's is what odds. it is. So, I mean, I, you know, what can I say? I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I've never started watching The Voice because I don't want to get all crazy. You know, I think I'd rather just stick with one one talent show like that. But I've I've been a fan since the beginning of, of the show. And I, I Alejandro would be an innovation for American Idol for him to win. That's changing. Right. That's changing the show. We've never had a Latino winner, I don't think. You know where he's clearly uh, Latino. I, he's he was I believe he was born here, but I believe his parents immigrated, and I'm not sure where from. He hasn't talked too much about it. I did follow him on on on, on uh, Twitter, and he has a very odd uh, call call name. It's scary at scary pool party. <laughs> At, I like that. at scary pool party. I don't know what that means. I hope to get the opportunity to ask him someday. No, it's not dirty pool party. It's at scary pool party, <laughs> which I think is interesting. I'm not sure genre. why I'm that is. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I'm 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 a fan. I've been a fan for a while. Yeah, I always so. watch the first five. I think I watched the first four or five seasons of Idol all the way through. I watched the first two or three seasons of Voice all the way through. Now I just kind of watch them when I hear there's a singer I really have just caught wind of that I want to listen to a bit. And so that's what I did with this season. I kind of heard about that, um, the one kid there um, that I liked. And then as soon as he was gone, I was kind of done. So I wasn't as invested in the rest of them. But there are, it, is, it is a good show. It's always been a good show. There's always little controversy, like I said. I don't like the voting beforehand, but you're right. Later in the game, when you kind of want your person to win, your kind of heels are dug in. I mean, I remember the first episode of Idol. I didn't think it was fair, even though I loved Kelly Clarkson and wanted her to win. I just thought it was sad that both her and Justin Greeny had to sing the exact same song that they wrote just for them because it was obviously written for Kelly's range. And Justin could do no justice wasn't it, to that song wasn't whatsoever. Wasn't it a moment like this? Wasn't it a moment yeah, like exactly. this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, how's, he, how's Justin Guarini going to sing that stuff? I almost swore. <laughs> how's, <laughs> how's he going to sing that compared to, uh, compared to, compared to Kelly Clarkson? Right. There's no way. All right. Yeah, um, it was written I'm... as a power ballad, and Guarini never had a power voice. I mean, that's Clarkson all the way through. So I didn't think no. that was fair for him, even though I wanted Kelly to win. But so yeah, there's, there's going to be things that happen that. every every season. But right, it that, is that what annoys. It is. Then they they finally stop doing that. All right, um, I am going to just want to use this phone. Okay, um, so I'm gonna I am going to slip into my uh, into my appointment now into my meeting, and Craig is calling at this moment, so he's going to take over, and I'll wait until he's on the line before I do that. Um, All righty. Been... Well, we're gonna miss you. Have a have a good meeting. Those LA lunch meetings. You know how those are. Yeah, those LA lunches. What can I tell you? And so it has been wonderful to hang out. 
Well, I and talk about American Idol. I'm always willing to do that. For a bit. I What's appreciate that? it. We'll, I said I appreciate it. You're welcome any old time. And uh, we will take it away with Mr. Craig Hurley. Have a great rest of your day, Katie. Thank you, my dear. You take care. Wow, I just heard an echo. You guys are a little close by. That's why. Now you won't. Yeah, no. How are you doing, Mr. Hurley? I'm doing all right. How are you, sir? I am good. Driving that L.A. traffic buying, huh? Uh, yeah. All you morons on the road, get off of said road, please. Get out of my way. <laughs> I, 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 there. Did I, is moron a, a swear word, or can I say that? Moron's a good one. I like that. Good choice there. Really? Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of morons on the road. Um, I, I you know. There's this thing, uh, the the left lane and and the hub lane. They got an HOV lane out here that's two or more. Get out of the, the way. Lane. I don't care if you got two or more people. I I don't care. I, I get out of the way. Just get out of the way. I, I'm serious. Get over to the right, please. Slower yeah. traffic, keep right. Slower traffic, keep right. That is the law in every single state in the United States. Slower traffic, keep right. So. All you slow dumbasses, please keep right. Go to the right. Get over into those other lanes. Get out of my way. I am really, really tired of it. Really tired of it. And I got a bunch of people around me. I got people behind me that are also going just as fast as I'm going that are livid when they have to press on their brakes for some dumbass who's sitting there in the lane doing the speed limit. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm doing the speed limit. Get out of the lane. The lane. Slower traffic, keep right. Just if, if, just the fact you're in LA and people are able to do the speed limit is actually pretty fast for LA. You're oh yeah, no, there's. Yeah, most of the time it's bumper to bumper. So most of the time yeah. you don't hear this complaint from me. Yeah, but I mean, when the traffic's moving, like right now, the traffic's actually moving. Uh, depending on which direction you're going, but. The direction that we were heading, the traffic was actually moving, except for the slow dumbasses that were in front of me in the left lane. They're the only ones that aren't moving. And they are a hazard on the road, okay? If I have to move over, if I'm going faster than you, it doesn't matter what my emergency is because you can't tell me what my emergency is. We are not under communication when we're on the road. So uh, all you got to know is that I'm coming up behind you doing whatever speed I'm doing, and you're going slower than me. I, I just I, it's so frustrating, dude. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I, I, oh, they drive me crazy. But uh, it, you, it's an emergency lane. It's supposed to be left open for emergency vehicles only, and you don't know what my emergency is. Currently, my emergency was getting to a meeting with lawyers. So get out of my way. So I'm 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 just I'm livid with a lot of these people, and like I said, the people that are behind me that are doing 80 miles an hour as well, or whatever speed we were going, all have to hit the brakes for this hazard, this dumbass that's sitting in the middle of the road doing, you know, 55. So it's my ticket, it's my freaking ticket. If I'm gonna get a ticket doing that speed, just get out of my way so that I can get the ticket, okay? It's my ticket. All right. I'm done with my rant. There you go. 
right. But you made it, and she's into her meeting, so you're good. You yes. are good yes. to go. All righty. Well, what else is happening? Yeah. Anything uh, hitting your hot button right now? Really? That wasn't enough? Well, that was a good one, but we got lots of stuff going on in the news. Um, What's going on in the news? Well, a couple things. We can take our pick if you want to go into – we'll hold weather for a while. How about um, the Disney behemoth keeps on coming. Uh, Comcast today agreed to sell its stake in – Hulu to Disney. Wow. The sale won't happen for five years, but they're letting Disney take full operation control right away. So even though wow. the sale is not going to go through five years, Comcast is giving Disney operational control of Hulu starting like today. Um, I didn't know that <laughs> Hulu was a joint venture. To begin with. Yeah, it was a joint venture between um, Disney. 21st Century Fox, Comcast, NBC Universal, and Time Warner originally was a Hulu joint venture. I did not know that. But now Disney has the controlling stake of it and runs the whole ball of wax. So wow. they are they are growing yet again. Why didn't I buy Disney stock when I was a kid? That's all I want to know. Um, they, uh, they, we have a whole bunch of. I would say that that Katie and I have a whole bunch of Disney stock. We've got um, so much Disney Anna. It's stupid. We've got a, that's what they call it. All the collectibles and all the posters and all that crap. It's called Disney Anna. And right. uh, dude, we've got so much. It's absolutely stupid. So I would say I that's kind of stock. That's a little bit of stock. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, that, we've you got, you know, Pinocchio definitely. posters from 1940, whatever the hell. So, there were some. Yeah, Disney stuff doesn't go down in value too much. It doesn't, there's not always nope. a demand for it, but the value doesn't go down that much. So, Correct. Disney's good stuff. It's like a stock, but you're right. I was thinking I was going to be sly because one of the things you find out when you're a radio host is you're kind of technically, quote, unquote, a media person or a journalist type person. So you can get really? Are, I, am I a journalist? Yeah, since I'm You're your co-host, am I a co-journalist? You're a co-journalist. <laughs> so we can Uh-oh. get passes to different things. Like last oh, year cool. I got free passes to Universal Studios and a whole bunch of places um, when I went right. down there. So this year I was going to do the same thing. And I thought I was going to be sly and and slide into Disney because I didn't want to go to Disney last year. I had too much other stuff to go. And my friend works in Knott's Berry Farm. He got me free Knott's Berry Farm tickets anyway. So I thought this nice. year, though, they're opening the new Star Wars exhibit. So I thought I'd try to slide into Star Wars as a media thing. And they're they're giving a press blackout for the entire month of June. So I don't oh, to go sorry. So they're giving you one sorry. for Thursday yeah, the 30th. I'm going to go. just have to go in. Pay for it. I'm going to go on the 30th. I got a free pass to the 30th, and I'm going to see nice. what, it, what the place is going to look like. I'll get to walk around all the orange cones. But, uh, I won't get wow. To Los Angeles time. is so. not only smoggy today, but it is freaking loud. This town is, is loud. It? Oh, man. And it's busy. It's all... Everybody's outside. When people what start acting like ants out here. Uh, we are currently, I'm looking at the Hollywood Hills. Um, okay. uh, let's see. 
I'm I'm yeah. staring down La Brea. So okay, La Brea. I am currently right. yeah. I'm La Brea and where the hell am I? That's I don't know what's LA. down there. That's LA you're are you up closer to Sunset? Are you down in Melrose? Are you down farther than that? No. No, we're down we're down past Melrose. We're down into the LA okay. area. Okay, got yeah, it. where the All lawyers right. are. <laughs> where the where the <laughs> where law the lawyers hang are. out. Yes. There you go. Yep. You need to drive over while she's there. You need to drive over to Canners and have yourself a little nosh. Canners Deli. Oh, I should. I should. You should get over to Fairfax there. Yummy. I should. Now, nah, but I I should go into this meeting. But I'm not. Because oh. I'm on air with you. There you go. Let the lawyer come on. We can ask him some advice. He'll probably charge you for it, though. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're going to be a little phone shy right now. So, a little mic shy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I. Uh, so I'm not going. I'm going to go to Disney on the 30th. So I will see if I can uh, see at least where the where Star Wars Land is going to be, which everyone else knows. I'll spend the day there. It'll be fun. I haven't been to Disney in a while, dude. I'm, I'm, you know, when, when people, when people out here, I noticed, cause I, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. Ooh, really nice Bentley just went by. Um, but, uh, I, I, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time and I noticed that when people in Los Angeles start acting like ants, when they start scurrying, when they start speeding up and, and going around and like, you know, uh, you really actually uh, the dogs and the and the cats mainly um, go and hide. Then we're gonna have an earthquake. And I notice when the people act this way and they're acting this way today that we've had earthquakes in the past. So I'm calling out. At, hey, there's a weather forecast. <laughs> there you go. Freaking earthquake. <laughs> That'll be. How wild is that if that happens? But but I, you're well, right. That's, then the you then you know that I'm. That I'm correct. Yeah, and, you know, I've been 100% right on all my weather forecasts lately, so uh, I may be calling this one out, too. Well, they not really a, a weather forecast. There was just a 7.5 earthquake yesterday in Papua New Guinea. So they had one yesterday yeah. out there. No, and they had one uh, like three or four days ago. And also, I don't know what's going on with Papua New Guinea. It's right next to Australia. These are other countries that we're talking about, guys. Um, and, you know, other countries that are far away from us, because there are other countries in this planet besides the United States. Arrogant. It's not I, I, I almost from, swore, dude. I almost swore. Anyway, um, I'm trying not to. We're doing the five-day challenge for Craig here. Uh, yeah, good luck. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Papua New Guinea, I, I asked my friends who live in Australia, what is the deal with Papua New Guinea? I mean, did they test like nuclear warheads there or something? It, you know, is it is it like their test site for a bunch of stuff? Because there are so many storms that pop out of there, and so many things that happen there. So, and they just had you know an earthquake, like a, a whole bunch of storms. Like the storm that is currently hitting Australia, it's a hurricane, by the way, or a cyclone. I, I call it whatever you want. It's a big massive crap that's about to hit Australia. So um, with like 140 mile an hour winds. A hurricane, cyclone, typhoon, whatever the hell. Um, but uh, it came out of Papua New Guinea. 
I'm like, what is the deal with Papua New Guinea? I do not know. Wow. That's kind of wild. Yeah. There's a secret government weather base there. The weather was something. <laughs> something. It's like X-Men hideaway or something. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they're right. controlling the weather stuff from there. So. Well, while we're talking climate, then we might as well go on to the other one I had on here. Um, Saturday, the sensors at the Moana Loa Observatory in Hawaii indicated that concentration of greenhouse gases, which is the byproduct of burning fossil fuels, we know, had reached yeah. 415 parts. 415. Per really? We've never gone there. This planet's well, never gone happened, there. What it says is we were at 415 million back 5.3 to 2.6 million years million ago. years ago correct and during that period it was an ice age sea levels were 50 foot <laughs> higher than they are today and forests <laughs> grew as far north as the arctic wow so, so it was a complete many- like drought it was a complete right. drought and and then we had areas north uh, and south, most likely, that had trees. So the areas that were only temperate, everything else was baking. Oh, that's right. great. So last time, yeah, we were 415 um, parts per million, 50 foot higher sea levels, and forests in uh, up north in the Arctic. Did did we? So yeah, this, but see, that's that's what happens before it slips into an ice age. And it needs to heat up to a point where it needs to correct itself. So that's what global warming is all about. You know, Al, Al Gore just should have phrased it differently. But it really is warming. It's, it's, you know, yes, it may be snowing in Maine and New York this weekend. But the whole planet in general is right. warming. And I I'm still not a science guy. Like we, you said, that last. That time period where the last level was this high was called the Philippine Epoch. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Nice. Yes. Pliocene. Pliocene. Pliocene Epoch. Yeah. Yeah. It was the last time this happened. They said just the last 10 years alone, it's averaged of raising 2.5 parts per million a year for 10 years. So we've had over 25 of these 415 just in the past 10 years. Yeah, just keep deregulating these huge corporations. Who cares? Who cares? What? We're uh, not going to do anything to this atmosphere, right? Really? I don't know how Look at the crap that they've done. This kind of science. I don't understand the science against it. Well, did we start talking about Bill Nye, the science guy, dropping an F-bomb on John Oliver? And I we think he dropped the same later. F-bomb on, uh, on CNN. He's walking around dropping F-bombs now because that's really? the only way to communicate with these dumbasses is you have to swear at them in order to get their attention. So, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, Bill Nye, the science guy is swearing to me. Uh, it must be real. Something must be happening. Yeah, we talked about it a little people bit. People's freaks. hair was on fire. I actually saw a clip of it when he was doing what he did. Is he yeah. poured lighter fluid all over a globe and – yeah. Lit it on fire. <laughs> Spun it and lit it on fire. Funniest looking yep. thing. Well, I mean, serious as heck. I shouldn't be laughing about it. But 
It got him all bent up, definitely. He's all going, we're going. Yeah, no, he's like, he's like the 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 world is on effing fire, guys. So, and I didn't swear I said effing, but he did. He swore. There you go. He dropped a F bomb a couple of times. So, and when you got guys like Bill Nye, the science guy, telling you that we're on fire, we should really be paying attention. <laughs> and swearing at you, we should really be paying attention. We need to, I, I, you know, and I don't know how to do it. I, I just had a, a guy driving a Tesla right in front of me, and I, I, I don't, I, it's a hundred thousand dollar car, dude. I don't know how anybody can do it. You gotta have a really, really good gig in this world in order to afford to buy a Tesla. I know there's some that are small, and they cost less, but how can you actually travel in that? You can't. So, you know, any two-seater, you can't. You can't even put any luggage in that thing. So you need to be able to supply that to the whole world in order to end this coal and fossil fuel. Right. This is crazy. No, it, it is. It's uh, my doc, uh, not my doctor, but I went to my doctor's office the other day, and one of the persons that works with him, one of the fellow doctors, has a um, Tesla, and it says Dr. Tesla for his license plate. thought it was kind of funny. Nice. Like you, son of a son of a gun. I'm not giving you my hard-earned insurance money anymore. But anyway, yeah, um, climate change is real. I do got to tell you though, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off here for a second on something. So I'm gonna need to be walked off the ledge a bit because it it, it it messes with my mind a little bit. So we okay. were talking about abortion, abortion, and everything the other day. And right. I am so pro-choice, right? I'm all pro-choice for abortion. But then someone, I don't even remember who I was arguing with. I was arguing with somebody. And they were saying. Well, you're not going to argue. You're not going to argue with me when it comes to abortion. You're not going to argue with me. I, I, I You know, it, it depends on the, the circumstance. It depends on the conditions. It depends on what's happening in the person's life. And most of the time, it's not about, you know, birth control. So um, most of the time, right. it's about, uh, you know, uh, that the the baby actually, you know, will present a problem uh, in what, whoever's life. And that, uh, you know, the, the people that are, that are um, uh, anti-abortion, um, who takes care of this crackhead? Seriously, who takes care of this crackhead once it's born? And I'm talking about all you humans. I, I, you humans are a bunch of crackheads. You're really dumb. You're a bunch of crackheads. And I am, I am embarrassed to be a part of the human race the majority of the time. It's angered me. I'm, I'm like, I'm not one of you. I'm not. I, I can't be. How can I be? I've actually got compassion and empathy for this world and for other people, but I can't stand them at the same time. So if, right, if you're going to bring still- somebody else into this world, Sorry, go ahead. I thought we were talking about abortion. We are, but I need you to help me because that's not the point I'm trying to make. Because I'm with you on that. You right. and I are on the same page on that. Because I do right. believe it's a women's right, and I think there's things for it. But where he got yes. me, and I can't think of a good argument, I need help on this. And he said, okay. you believe in climate change, right? I said, yes, of course, the scientists. He said, you believe the scientists, right? I said, yes, of course I do. He says, of course. He says, so the scientists and doctors say that babies can actually feel pain at five months, four months, five months. How is that not murder then if they can feel pain? 
because we always talk about inception versus life. When does life begin? I, I, right. He says, if you believe the if you believe I, the, the brain climate change, the, how the can brain you believe the is, person's a living person at five months, and so you're murdering if you're doing abortion? I well, no, I, I actually I, no, I, it, it's a it's a human. You don't know what type of human it's gonna freaking be, though. You have no right, idea. Okay. It's it's okay. definitely a human. The the very first the very first cell division that happens is the formation of the brain when the sperm meets okay. the egg. The very first cell division that happens. It's creating a, a DNA strand and a brain. It's creating a brain stem. So you've got okay. all, all of that happening. The very 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 first thing. So you've got a human there. I, my point is is He's got another crackhead that you're going to put on in this planet that nobody's going to care about or take care of. What, right. What's the deal? Why would you do that to anyone, to us? Why would you do that to us? Aborted already. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, it's, I it, it, I, you know, it, it may be murder. We got to find a I, different, we have to find a different word for it because. I don't like the well, it says it says thou shalt not kill not as born. part of it's not born. Yeah. As as part of their thing, thou shalt not kill is part of their thing. Yet um right. they're they're putting babies in cages right now. That's same, right. the same people that are like following thou shalt not kill as part of their doctrine, as part of their commandments, are are putting babies, taking babies away from parents and putting them in cages just because they came here seeking asylum. It's disgusting all the way around. Humans are just gross. Right. I'm sorry. I'm so. Right. I'm so down That's on okay. humans. No, that, helped, that helped me a bit. I needed to get my you know, center it, back it, on it, that. Because... Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily look at that as, as murder. What what murder are you talking about? I, I, even even at the whole that I was not kill. You guys are running around killing everybody. You, look at the smog in the air. Right. I believe me. Believe me. Right now, I'm I'm coughing up a lung. And not because I smoke cigarettes. It's because of all the crap. And I, I didn't do that. They're doing that to me. Right. They're doing that to us. There's a lot of population control that goes on. There's a lot of genocide that's going on in the name of God. And, dude, thou shalt not kill. That's your doctrine. That's your thing. Not mine. So it depends. There's, there's, there's been laws in different states like uh, the he-needed-killing law. <laughs> that law has actually be, been in the United <laughs> States. So there right. are times when people actually need killing, and we don't think about religion then, do we? Very true. I like that. Okay, I need to. So why are we thinking about it when it comes to a baby? I, I don't get it. It's just right, another moron that's going to get in front of you on the road. Get it? I, I don't get. Go away. There's too many of us already, right? That's why we can't have more immigrants coming to the United States. There's too many of us already, True. right? True. So That's why you want to add right. more? There you go. I'm hearing a serious echo, dude. That's a good point. I like that, though. That's a good argument. That's a good one. All right. Am I giving uh, you see, any arguments on this? Yeah, you are. You, that, any ammunition? Good. You did. All right, we have 15 minutes. A couple things I want to um, go after. One, um, Elizabeth Warren turns down a Fox News town hall because she calls the network yeah. a hate-for-profit racket. 
Nah, that was a mistake. I think so. Kind of agree with her to say, hey, yeah, no, she, racket, but she can't be chicken. Oh, oh yeah, oh, that's a given. Yeah. yeah, that's a given. Fox is uh, owned by Rupert. Fox News is owned by Rupert Murdoch. He is, all he is is a tabloid producer. That's all he does is right. tell lies. That's all he's done is tell lies and fabricate fabricate stories for his entire career, for his entire life, basically, because um, that's what his dad did too. So, um, and he was given this newspaper that he turned into Fox News. Uh, now it's just the digital, you know, uh, 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 lies is all it is. So yeah, they're they're a joke, but they are a news source. They are a form of media. So you have to go on there if you are a Democrat at this point. You better get on there, and you better exactly. start saying what's happening, what's actually happening, because they're not. You know, from what I understand, the 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 people are mainly li- that are listening to Fox News. That's all they listen to. Right. That's it. And it is so like you got to make sure to get your point of view. To listen to them. They said 15 to 20 percent of Democrats listen to Fox News um, of their listenership, not 15, 20 percent of all Democrats, but of the listeners of Fox News, uh, 15 to 20 percent are Democrats. And from what I understand, when Sanders went on, he was the first only one that's gone on so far. Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg has agreed to go on. But Sanders town hall on Fox was the highest rated town hall of any network so far. Have any of the ones CNN's done? Have any of the ones Fox done? That's the highest rated so far. So it's, wow, it's smart awesome. to go on there. I think you need to reach out to those people. So I think she's kind of shooting herself in the foot. I mean, it's, like you said, it's a given. They're a hate for profit racket. Everyone knows that. I think even their own listeners know that. But I think yeah. you need to get your message out there if she wants to get a message out. So. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a fumble on her side. As much as I love all her policy points she's making, she's making some great um, policy points. I don't agree with all of her policies, but at least she's putting them out there. And I like candidates that do that. So uh, I, I, just, that was, I, I uh, think Senator, I, I thought Senator Warren had bigger balls than that, but I right. guess she doesn't exactly. if she's not willing to do exactly. it. Exactly. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then uh, while we're staying in politics, uh, did you happen to watch Fallon last night? No. All right. Tonight show, um, with Jimmy Fallon last night, they had on my hero, Pete Buttigieg on last night and they slow jammed the news, which is one of my favorite portions of Jimmy Fallon slow jamming the news. So I thought we'd play a little slow jam of the news today from Jimmy Fallon last night. If you'll permit me. And we'll talk over okay. if you need to. Sure. All right. This is Jimmy Fallon and Pete Buttigieg slow walking the news or slow jamming the news. Here we go. Whoa. Hello. I'm Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and I, too, would like to slow jam this news. Hit me five times! Last month, I officially launched my campaign for President of the United States. I believe it's time for a new generation of leaders. I'm the 37-year-old mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I'm a Rhodes Scholar and a veteran of the war in Afghanistan. And though I'm running this race to beat President Trump, 
I'm not going to spend all my time talking about President Trump. I want to talk about you and the needs of everyday Americans. Oh, yeah. Pete Buttigieg wants to satisfy all your needs. Ever since he declared his candidacy, America's been all hot and bothered for him. And now Mayor Pete's going all in. Jimmy Fallon does going all in. One of all in. He's ready and prepared for a primary battle. His name is worth 800 points in Scrabble. <laughs> for you, marvelous Mr. Mayor. Buttigieg is you worth 800 points. What makes you think you can measure up to the presidency? Aren't you worried about performance anxiety? Actually, I'm not. As mayor of South Bend, I re-energized the economy and invested in the industries of tomorrow. And as president, I'll continue to tear down the barriers that keep Americans from having a fair shot. I'll get big money out of politics, and I'd support getting rid of the Electoral College, even if it means fighting these issues out in court. Mm-mm-mm. Court is in session. And the Honorable Booty Judge is presiding. <laughs> All rise if you haven't already risen. If you haven't already <laughs> risen, y'all. All right. His service to the country has been outstanding. His campaign is on fire like King's Landing. Now listen here, <laughs> PB and J. You've had an explosive start to your campaign, but how do you plan to end it with a bang? Well, in the coming months, I'm going to be traveling across the nation, meeting people from all walks of life. I want to show folks that the Republican Party does not have a monopoly on freedom and patriotism. Those values are alive and well with Democrats, too. Wait a second. If you're saying the booty jazz bus is stopping all around the country, then I guess that means... Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Rockin' everywhere. Rockin' everywhere. Nice. Now, while we're getting all booty jiggy with it, I gotta ask, is it true you hooked up with Fox News at the start of your campaign? Because some might say that makes you a naughty boy. Actually, I'm proud to say that I was the first candidate to appear on Fox News Sunday because I don't believe in leaving out an entire portion of the country. Americans have a lot more in common than we're given credit for, from the coal miner adjusting to the changing economy to the dreamer fighting to stay in the only home she's ever known. We all just want to belong. So, yes, I want to invite everyone to join this campaign, Democrats and Republicans. Democrats and Republicans? So what you're saying is... You go both ways? No, I'm just gay. Nice. <laughs> okay, DC is Doogie Hauser. Last question before we put this interview to bed. Since you're new on the political scene, have you ever thought of asking President Trump for advice? Actually, when it comes to my qualifications, I have more government experience than the president and more executive experience than the vice president. So. If they ever want advice, I'm sure their interns can show them how to DM me. Nice. Yeah, because they're too old to figure it out. I didn't expect to right. leave it to Beaver Kid to pack a punch. Nah. Sorry, who? <laughs> Beaver Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver. That show from the 50s? Sorry, Jimmy. must be a generational thing. 
She doesn't want, yeah, she, she, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big fan, um, but uh, she doesn't, she, she's not happy about her TV series fresh off the boat uh, being picked up. So, uh, cause she just doesn't want to do it anymore. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if she wanted to do it in the first place. That's a part of those. <clears throat> that's why the, the writers just left a lot of their agents. That's a, it's one of those package deals. I'm sure where she's wrapped into it. And she got wrapped into it because her agent had the the uh, writer, the agent had the director, the agent had the producer, and then the agent put it all together and put her into it because the agent also has the actor. So that's that's you know these package deals they, they can be a nightmare because you can't get out of them, and that's why they're that's why she's probably like, look, I I really don't want to do this. You could have canceled it. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure well, that's what she's saying. So. Yeah. Well, there's two things behind it, too. One is, I guess she had another option on the table. Someone wanted to pick up and do something else, right. um, which, right. which she thought would stretch a little more creatively. But two, they had already filmed their fifth year. And as you know, fifth year is when you get picked up for syndication and you make well, the yeah, right. if you have a good deal. So right. since, if it was her fourth year, I bet you'd be it, all it doesn't it doesn't really happen year. anymore. Syndication doesn't really it doesn't really happen anymore. We've got so many avenues uh, to release all of the information to 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 you know distribute to Hulu, Netflix, uh, TikTok. Uh, we can keep going. So there you know there there's so many that um, they it really you're making your money right now. You know, you can't really rely on any of those residuals and stuff. So, uh, and all the contracts are, are all different. It depends on what show you're on and it depends on what contract you sign. You know, Katie with Every Which Way okay. on Nickelodeon, that was a non-union contract. They don't get any residuals. So it's been in syndication on Hulu for freaking ever. And they get like 140,000 viewers, but it doesn't mean anything. None of the cast gets paid. I don't even know gotcha. if the producers are getting paid on that, but the distributor definitely is paying somebody, and it's probably just one I just or two remember the old and, school. Everybody wanted to get through five seasons because that's when they got their yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Because then you yeah. go into into syndication, but that was you know that was twenty years ago, so or, or more gotcha. um, when people were looking at that five year mark. Now you know it depends on who's subscribing. To you, it depends on how many subscribers are actually viewing you. So, to whatever it is, you know, like, I, like, like Stranger Things, you know, it's a huge hit. But what, you know, how, how do we actually know that? We, we, we don't. We're, you know, we're looking at it as a huge hit because 
we love the show and we love watching it. And the majority of the time we're binge watching it and we pay to actually see that, to actually see something like Stranger Things. We pay a subscription. And they don't do their ratings. People like Netflix and stuff don't even talk about ratings anymore, do they? No, no, not really. The streaming services. The streaming services don't really tell you how many people are watching it. They just say that it's viewed you can, like crazy, and they they go on their yeah. But you media. can you can actually see on different like on Hulu. I'm pretty sure you can see how many people are currently watching, or how many people have I'm currently sure the have watched know. it over I'm the just past. Saying they don't report that though. A lot of the streaming. Oh, no, you can actually. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff where it's gotten a certain amount of views and and all of that. You can you can actually see it. Um, as a as oh, a consumer, gotcha. so you can see wh- you know which shows are getting the most amount of of play. But then also, you know, when when something like Game of Thrones, I, I mean, they're pushing the hell out of that thing. HBO is, so you right. know when they're pushing something that big that everybody's watching it. Right. By well, the way, have you been watching episode, Game of Thrones? I think this this Sunday is the last episode, I believe, of the whole series. Forever. And as much as people went crazy over two or three weeks ago, I guess last week was kind of a letdown to a lot of the fans. I don't know what that means, but I guess it was. No, I, I haven't watched the, the last couple of episodes because I'm still on the first couple of episodes. Um, so <laughs> I'm not, yeah, it literally season one. I think I'm in, Katie and I, I just got done watching uh, uh, episode seven. Uh, what's okay. the, uh, you got, you, you, uh, what's the you, something you die um you, you win or you die i, I, I don't know whatever um so that's that's where we're at and you know these these last year i know everybody's been you know in, in, in an uproar because of the the stark family and all of that but you know um you, you gotta watch out for a dragon lady that's what i know <laughs> you had to watch out for her a long time ago <laughs> I I don't know. I will I will take their word for it. Well, dude, I'm going to let yeah. you get into the lawyer's office there. We're going to wrap things up today. Um, thanks, Katie, for starting us off today. Everyone out there, we'll be back tomorrow, one o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern time, right here on Standing on My Soapbox. Give us a call three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, Mr. Greg Hurley, thanks for talking today. Good chat. Yeah, no, thank you, dude. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate this. We went through an entire episode with just ass, I think. That's pretty good. We're getting better. Uh, no, yeah, today. dumbass. Dumbass is dumbass. what I think I, I, I said. Yeah, moron. We're getting there. Morons, moron's a good replacement. That doesn't count. That's so. not a curse word. So we're going through okay. five days of curse-free. We've made it through. Uh, yesterday was a little rough. Today was a lot better. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Who knows? We may make this by Friday. What the heck? <laughs> we might. Right, guys, we might make it. In. <laughs> Bye-bye. Peace.
Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail. It's always happy hour somewhere. And enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. And with me today is intern Jordan. Jordan, how the heck are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks so much for being there for us. Jordan will be man in the chat room and playing all the buttons for us today. We have uh, Chris off today. He's getting ready to do his very first intern show tomorrow. So we got a great show for you in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to have Jack Nathan Harding on. He's an actor and singer, and on the second actor, or second hour, I'm going to be talking to the executive pastry chef for Harvest Restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He's also a Food Network baking competitor. Joshua Livesey will be with us. So we got a pretty good show today, Jordan. It'll be kind of fun. I haven't had a foodie on in a while. It'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. I love food, so I'll love to listen to it. There you go. How are you holding up? You're in final week right now. How's things going? I am. Um, I've been up since like 4 o'clock in the morning studying for my last one. But after that, I'm done. Oh, my goodness. That's that's working it, working it. Well, this is our first time I back know. in uh, four shows. We had repeats of the last couple of big gay road trips from last year, the last couple of weeks. We're getting ready to head out again I leave a week from tomorrow for beautiful downtown California. So I've been putting the show together for that. So this is our first live show in a bit. Hope everyone out there has been really good. I hope you all had a great Mother's Day. I got Mama Linda her regular uh, yellow flowers that she likes. Mom loves yellow flowers. So she got a nice bouquet on Mother's Day and didn't want to go out to eat. So I just made a couple meals. What would you do for Mother's Day, Jordan? Um, I went home and surprised my mom with my sister, and then we had dinner, and my grandma came. So it was nice. We got to see each other. Nice. I'm sure mom was excited about that. She loved it. Very, very cool. Now, I forget, are you going home for the summer, or do you stay on campus? I'm going home for the summer. It's only an hour away, so I'll probably come back every once in a while just to see people that are living around here. But, yep, I'll be home. Gotcha. Very, very cool. Very nice. All right. Well, like I said, we are leaving on the Big Gay Road Trip in a week from tomorrow. Um, you want to follow along on the website. If you go to www.leftofstraight.com, that's www.leftofstr and the number eight.com. Click on the Big Gay Road Trip um, button up there. And you can find, follow along on the trip. We're going to have live videos while I'm on the road. It'll tell you what route we're going because I still have no idea what route because there's flooding all over the freaking country. I don't want to go into a ton of water. Um, we're announcing guests. We've got our first 10 days of guests. We're, we're announcing guests every single day. So far, we have Craig Ramsey and Brandon Liberati, who are Bravo liberties from the Bravo Network. And Craig is a celebrity fitness trainer, 
and Brandon is a celebrity hairstylist to all the stars out there in California. And then we announced Jason Caceres and his um, fiance Christian Glam Lopez. They're both social media influencers. They're both actors um, all over social media. Then we announced Sam Harris from Star Search. The singer from Star Search will be on the show. Gil Tatsu, which is a model from Brazil, will be on. He's going to be great. Jason Stewart, very funny comedian and a great actor. He was on Birth of a Nation last year. He has a new film out, Hank, that's burning up the film festival circuit right now. I have a singer coming all the way from Canada, Matt Stern, will be driving down, and he'll be there with us. Mel England and Terry Ray are both fantastic actors, writers, producers, been in lots of web series, and Terry has written a great play called Electricity that they're going to be performing in the um, resort where I'm staying. So they'll be on. Singer Kenneth Mogan will be on. My buddy Stan Zimmerman is going to be coming on. Stan is an amazing writer. He has written for the Golden Girls, for the Gilmore Girls, for Roseanne. He wrote the very Brady movies um, so much. He knows so many people in Hollywood, and he's big director now in L.A., so he's going to be coming on the show. Our friends Del Shores and Emerson Collins from the Sorted Live series will be joining us down there. Kyle Thomas, celebrity astrologer, is going to be on. He's on our Astro Kiki radio show every Wednesday at 6. He'll be joining us down there. And then Eddie Lobo will be joining us. Eddie is a fantastic uh, co-founder of Friend Movement, which is a great organization that helps try to create a little goodness in the world. And he's also an amazing actor and comedian himself. We have a big group lineup already. That's only the first 10 days. I have 20 more days of announcements, Jordan. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it sounds crazy. It's a good lineup, though. It is a good lineup. And I think... You were here a couple weeks ago. We got to talk to Kevin and Jenna from Glee. I think Kevin's going to come over for a day, too, so that'll be kind of fun to get to see yeah, him Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, I want to give a big thanks to the sponsors, by the way, before I move on. Uh, Pink Banana Media, I Love Gay 360 Twitter Network, and the Now Trending app are all media sponsors for us. CBT Candle and Travis Hunt Productions our sponsors for the guest bag. So big thanks to them. So we couldn't be doing without that. So yeah, be sure to follow along, go to the website and follow along the trip starting next Wednesday night. As I said earlier, we have an intern show happening every Wednesday for from um, 5.30 to 6 every Wednesday. My interns are doing a little preview show for the shows that they're going to be having on the network once the internship is done, last week we had Audrey on. She had a lot of fun. Tomorrow we're going to have Chris on. Jordan, when's your show? Um, I think I still have a couple weeks. I don't remember the exact day yet. I think yet, you're the fourth or fifth week. Yeah, I think you're either two weeks yeah. out or three weeks out. So that will be a lot yeah. of fun. So you need to listen to the interns. They've been doing such a great job for me the past month and a half, and they are going to be – previewing their shows coming up on our intern show every Wednesday. So be sure to check that out. I had a chance to go last week, and unfortunately Jordan was in finals and getting ready for finals, um, to go down to the Evolution Theater Company. They were doing their new 2019 season premiere. They are the only LGBT theater in uh, the Columbus area. 
and they um, previewed their four plays coming up and two special one-man shows coming up. They held it in the Stonewall Community Center in downtown Columbus. It's a beautiful brand-new building for the LGBT community in downtown Columbus. Gorgeous made. They have some great offices. they got space for youth. They have classes they can do there. They had a great time over there. So thank uh, Evolution Theater for inviting me out there. I will be partnering with Evolution Theater with all of their plays they're doing this season and having all of their directors and cast on uh, in the coming weeks. So look for that. I think their first play is called The Vultures. It's a murder mystery comedy. And I'm going to have the director, David, and the head of the Playhouse on, I believe, a week from tomorrow, a week from today. So uh, look, listen for them. Um, that's going to be a good show. And then we'll be having the entire time. While I was out in Columbus last week, I did go to one of the local uh, gay bars out there and watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, be, and Nina West got booted. And for those of you who don't know, Nina West is a drag queen from Columbus. So it was a very sad night in Columbus that night because she's been doing – such a great job on drag races season. And unfortunately the night that I'm in Columbus, I jinxed it somehow and she um, <laughs> went home, but she is one of the, she's been a celebrated drag queen in Columbus for a long time. She's been trying to get on the show for 10 years. She does such amazing charity work um, that she's raised over $2.5 million with her Nina West foundation. So that's very, very cool. So good on her for that. Um, excited about all that. So that's cool stuff. So, Jordan, anything you want to say to all of our listeners out there before we head into the show? Hmm, I don't think so. I would just say look out for the intern show. I'm really excited to do mine, but I know everyone else is going to be great, too. Woohoo! You're going to be fantastic. Well, guys, we're going to take a little break here. Um, We're going to play a song by Brandon Stansell for you. Today's a country kind of theme because in just a couple minutes, I'm very excited to have my first guest on the show. Jack Nathan Harding will be on. He is an actor and singer. Do a little country thing of his own there. So, Jordan, put us in the break. And, guys, we'll be back in just a couple minutes with Jack Nathan Harding. Begin to spin in the quicksand I can't run It's gonna be alright It's gonna be alright I push and pull with all my might But it feels like it's not enough It's gonna be alright You make me feel alright In moments and seasons We're caught in the deep end, yeah I need a hand to hold me Love me like you know me When it's hard, just breathe in You keep my Something about your style Like I'm gonna 
Rising off the ground, we ain't coming down. We're reckless, abandoned, no sign of landing. So high up, yeah, we're touching clouds, never coming down. Just you and me, darling, my kind of falling. You got me finally feeling emotion, lost in the moment, don't know where it's going. guys we are back that was brandon stansell with for you i am so excited to have my first guest on today guys he is an amazing actor now singer he started at age five in commercials and print ads has guided his career both in front and behind the curtain and cameras ever since he's been a technical director responsible for sets and lighting to multiple theater productions from dramas to comedies to full-blown musicals. He started his very own private enterprise theater company with over a dozen productions under his belt. Television soon followed with roles on Reba, The Mentalist, and My Name is Earl, along with film roles such as San Bernardino, Born Wild, and, of course, Hercules in Hollywood. Starting in 2018, he decided he wanted to begin a music adventure Bringing a gay man's perspective to the country music genre that is just now becoming more and more popular, as we just saw with Brandon Stansell now. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Jack Nathan Harding. Jack, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Scott Fullerton. I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Where am I finding you today? Are you in beautiful downtown L.A., or where are you calling from? I am in the lovely Sunland Tahunga area. And it's a beautiful sunny day. Nice. I like to hear it. I'm going to be coming to L.A. in a mere week, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm glad you're keeping the sunshine going for me because it's been raining all weekend here in Northeast Ohio. Not <laughs> I'll do my best to have it sunny <laughs> for you. There you go. I like it. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Of course, we talked about off-air. You're one of my buddy Jasper Cole's clients and friends. 
he has such great taste, not only in acting and music, but in picking really good people. So I'm sure you got to be a great guy, and I'm grateful you're able to take the time to come on the show. So thanks, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm great to be here. Excited to talk to you. Me too. Well, let's start at the very beginning. You're an L.A. boy now, but tell me about where did you grow up, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up? Well, I grew up in Odessa, Texas, which is in uh, West Texas, uh, oil country. And, um, you know, one of my first memories was um, the album um, for one of the Disney shows, The Aristocats. So this is an an old one. And um, I remember um, kind of singing and dancing around and working up routines to that one. I was like a tiny, tiny kid. So wow. Show business has kind of always been kind of something I've, you know, um, aspired to. Nice. I like that. And uh, you, you were, when you first went out, like five years old, you were on print ads and doing commercials. Was that something you kind of asked your mom to get into or is something someone recommended her to do or what started that from happening? You know, that, um, well, first of all, that was so long ago, I can hardly remember. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and, you know, that was, um, that was for local television, and I think that just kind of uh, fell into my lap. I was, I was a kid that wasn't, I wasn't afraid to sing or dance or, or, or jump around or act uh, foolish, so I think um, somehow that got the attention of, uh, of someone at the television station. Nice. Well, we're not going to tease about age because I'm right there with you, my friend. We're we're within next door <laughs> neighbors of each other, so we won't even go into the whole age thing. Okay. Um, I do love that you are out and proud in your careers. Um, talk about that. When did you first come out to yourself, and when did you come out to others? I think when I first came out to myself, um, it was around 12 or 13 years old. Um, Again, this was pre-internet and pre, you know, pre how we are now, obviously. And, right. Um, sure. So, so going, it's almost like going back and trying to find that time where it's like, yes, I know I'm gay, but it's kind of hard because I didn't even know what gay was. Unlike right. today, it's like, well, there, there you are. Oh, okay, that's a thing. I see people <laughs> are gay. And I and I relate to that and right you know this this was um you know growing up in the Bible Belt and um so um as far as for myself yeah it was around twelve or thirteen definitely when I was discovering what what everything was you know um and then I didn't really have a um, coming out to my parents um. I basically chose not to at the time. Again, um, there had been um, many instances where they, off the cuff, had said things like, well, if you were ever gay, I would kick you out of the house. Or, you know, so you kind of learn <laughs> right. as a child, you know, who, who to share with and who not to share with. Of course, later in right. life, um, um, there wasn't really a coming out conversation, but they knew I was gay and they would come visit, you know, with my husband. And so, you know, life goes on and we grow and learn. And 
Uh, very much the same way. I mean, like going to high school, I I didn't know another gay kid in high school. I kind of had my feelings that when I was in high school, but I didn't know anyone else to really talk to about it. I mean, the theater kids, everyone assumed, but I didn't assume all the time. Um, but I didn't know. And then it turns out, you find out many years later, one of my good friends was, and I had no clue whatsoever. So it, it's it's a process for sure, especially back then, like I said, when it wasn't really that talked about. You didn't have social media to meet other people in that group. Um, and a lot of towns didn't even have a gay bar, depending on where you were from. So it was a lot different right, back right. in the day. So I hear you. And the same yeah. thing with my parents. Well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just it's, it's our walking, walking to school uphill both ways kind of story, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And same way with my parents. I was never really a coming out story. We used to have what we called – Linda-isms, my mom's name, Mama Linda, I talk about her on the show all the time. But she would say things like, oh, Scott, you really need to go to Savannah. It's your kind of town, all midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil stuff, which had a gay theme to it. Anything that uh-huh. had a gay theme, she said I should check out. So I knew she knew, but we never talked about it. So it was always kind of a funny thing. So I like that. <laughs> Very cool. Now you've been you you mentioned your husband there. You guys have been together a long time. Talk about how you met and uh, and tell me about that relationship a bit. Well, you know, meeting my husband is one of those um, things that that reminds me of staying on whatever path it is that you're on. That it's that it's the journey, you know. Um, that was when I was back in Odessa. I had opened up a um, small community theater and um he was in one of the productions actually a couple of the productions and uh that's where we met and fell in love and um nice 20 25 years in february wow congratulations and did it help him being involved in this business through the years has it been a help or a hindrance you guys be able to support each other or Yes, crazy business of show. Yes, luckily he is not in the crazy business of show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, so I have a wonderful, grounded, level-headed, calm person (laughs) to come home to, um, and who supports me, and who who um, keeps me on the ground a little bit. And um, so, I am glad that we are different in in that respect and that um, we balance each other very cool i love that let's get into the background a little bit in the early starts there you had a serious theater background which is amazing i love that um talk about what drew you to the theater what kind of shows were you drawn to and then talk about your first stint over at the permian playhouse well that's 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 kind of my whole youth, really. I the Permian Playhouse, which was um, the community and still is uh, the community theater for Odessa, Texas. Um, I found that when I was 13 years old, um, being, and I found a family. That was the first time, and especially um, trying to discover your sexuality on your own back in the day, um, I found this community that um, almost instantly you, you 
I felt at home. And almost instantly, even though, even still, you weren't, even the gay word wasn't even brought up, you started to find your tribe and you started to find all the other people who didn't know exactly what was going on or, or what their sexuality was. They all came to this creative place, this creative outlet. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was very, my first time to discover um, that there was a tribe, that there was a family. And then sparkle in musical theater and, and singing and dancing. And, and <laughs> man, I was in heaven. I was in heaven. What was your first play you were in? Um, I think the first thing I did was The King and I. And I was, oh, nice. I think I was, I was very, very young. Um, but listen, I was, I was all in. Um, this was back in the day, um, or the first oil boom is actually when this was happening. Um, and so there was a lot of money flowing in and a lot of money you know, flowing into the theater. And I remember they were renting all of these um, sets and costumes from New York. It was going to be a really big deal. And um, nice. I, I had blonde hair at the time, and um, they were going to um, make everybody's hair dark to fit, you know, try to, <laughs> back in the 70s, try to ethnically fit us all into, you know, <laughs> right? their, their idea of what, of, of what those characters would be. But like I was all in. It's like, oh no, no, they were using like spray, spray hair stuff or whatever to color their hair. And it's like, oh no, I'll dye my hair. Y'all just, y'all just color my hair. And it's like, are you sure? It's like, sure. So then, then of course, <laughs> I didn't realize that I would have to be going to school the next day and the next, you know, six weeks, having colored my hair. Which again, back in 1970, something was like, wait, what? What are you doing? There you go. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like, okay, the kid's coloring his hair. All right, something's up with this yeah. guy. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but look, I was nice. I was all in. I, it doesn't matter if it was community theater in uh, West Texas. I was in. I was committed, man. <laughs> I love it. And talk about being behind the scenes like that. I mean, as technical director, you're doing sets and lighting. Was that a great training for when you eventually went in front of the cameras for television and movies? Did you learn a lot? I can imagine that you really kind of get a good background that way. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, that's as much as I enjoy acting and as much as I enjoyed the acting and singing and, and dancing, being on stage when I was younger um, there, um, my eye was always on, oh, what's the spotlight doing? Oh, and what's this doing? And oh, now, now these lights have created this this world, or you know, there's a pattern um, on the stage from the lights that they're casting, and it's creating this world. And I was always interested in in that part of it too, in the in just how much a little bit of magic affected me, how much just like a little blue light shining down through a couple of slats create these beautiful shadows and really enhance the storytelling. I mean, it's like, wow, that's, to me, that was um, impactful. And so right. I, I, had a, I had a desire to learn all of that stuff. And so, yes, I, I ended up um, working for a while as technical director. And, um, and it was great to step back and just help make these worlds for 
for the other people. There's, it's, it's a different type of enjoyment, and it's a different type of creativity um, than acting, but um, still fulfilling and still so important. That's what I like about theater. It's this, you know, it's this family, but it's all the – every little piece has to come into play. Every little person, whether you have one line, whether you're running the lights, whether you're pulling a curtain, it has to be done. It has to be, you know, all all concerted into this orchestral situation. And so you have right. to work together, and you end up working together for a period of time, and you can't help but become family. Beautiful. I love that. Then you went on to, like you said, you talked about creating your own theater company, which is amazing center stage there. What was the impetus to go to California? Were you kind of getting the uh, television and movie bug, or what, what was the first decision to go to California about? Well, I tell you, it's funny. It, um, it actually, I had a um, time where, where I closed up the theater, and I thought to myself that this is a better hobby than it is a career. And I had literally made the decision to just be an adult and go <laughs> – go have a job, and I uh, got a job at the container store. Um, we moved to Dallas, and I was there for a while, and then they moved me uh, out to Costa Mesa. And that is actually what brought me to California, not, really? not, for, not for dreams, but for, for work and for um, being able to buy a house and pay mortgage and things like that. After, after a while, though, I my creativity bug was not happening, and I thought well, maybe I could be create maybe I could be creative by um, doing hair by learning to do hair, and so I did, and so I went, and so I um, got my cosmetology license, um, and started working at a salon, and it was creative, and to an extent it was satisfying, but I was in Long Beach at the time, and um, Somebody had brought in a Backstage West or, or something like that, and I saw the audition notices, and it's like, you know, I'm here. I, I don't want to look ahead in like 10 years or something and say, gosh, I wish I would have tried. So right. I tried and, and nice. uh, printed, out, printed out a headshot on the computer, you know, started um, sending into auditions. Um, the first job I got – um, my first real job um, was on Reba on her sitcom because I had a cosmetology license. They needed somebody to cut um, one of the character's hair on camera and wanted, obviously, somebody that had a license to do that, so, you know, safety and everything. And um, that was – knowing how to cut hair was what, you know, slipped me into my first – That's um, wild. I love role. that. That is cool. Very, very cool. Who would have thought, huh? Going from you are the multi hyphenate with the cosmetologist, <laughs> actor, singer, producer, the whole nine years, playman. Goodness gracious. I like it. And then a lot of your work, uh, talk about a lot of your work in front of the camera. And you, you've gotten to this thriller genre a lot, where you even created your own thriller film. Talk about what draws you to that genre. Um, anything in particular? Is it just kind of fun to dabble with or? What 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 kind of uh, attracted you to that? Well, you know, it it is it is fun to dabble with. I'm 
I would not call myself a horror movie fan. There are certain horror movies that I like. Um, and um, I wrote, uh, I, it, just in trying to, I wanted to do something myself, or I wanted to do something small that um, um, could be handled. So I, I wrote this short film called um, Let Me See Your Eyes, and it is definitely more of a thriller than, than a horror. Um, but I got um, some talented people uh, to work on it, um, Derek Cole and Stephen Twardakis. Um, and we made this little film and shot it and um, entered it into um, quite a few film festivals. And we were um, official selections in a bunch. But we won uh, in 2014. We won Best Horror Short for Let Me See Your Eyes at Shriekfest wow. Film Festival. And awesome. I was I – was, I was kind of surprised. You know, it was my first try at writing anything that was going to turn into something, you know. And right. um, so, yeah, it was all downhill from there. You know, you win an award on your first <laughs> on your first <laughs> go, and then it's like, oh, great, now what? That's funny. I love that, though. That's great. That's a great story. Chiller Fest. I saw you went to Chiller Fest. Is that the one in New York City? Uh, uh, thriller Chiller is in. Is that in Michigan? I oh, I'm too old. It could I, be I, Michigan. I, I don't know. <laughs> I know it's it's in some state. One of my friends goes to it. And I don't remember where it's at. So I don't. I'm just trying to remember. I saw that on your uh, on your bio there, and it's like my friend goes that one. I don't remember where the heck it's at. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to jump into the music here for a bit. Let's start by giving listeners a little taste here. We're going to go ahead and play Let's Ride, um, one of Jack's first hits. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about how this great new music career started. So let's go ahead and play Let's Ride by Jack Nathan Harding. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. from across the room under the flash and the boom 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 stud come on over want to get some of mine i said if you've got the cash i got the time Buddy, let's ride let's ride yeah. take it round back let's ride let's ride yeah. we gonna toss that haystack Back of the bar to the back of his car, got the back seat bouncing. I made him see stars. He said, I double the dough if you do that again. I say, You've got a deal, my friend. Buddy, let's ride, let's ride. Yeah. Take it round back. Let's ride, let's ride. Yeah. We gonna toss that haystack. Giddy up, giddy up. Let's ride, let's ride. Giddy up, giddy up. Yeah. 
Let's ride. Let's ride. Take it round back. Let's ride. Let's ride. Buddy, let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah. Take it round back. Let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah. We're going to toss that haystack. I leave them dazed and happy when I walk away So they keep coming back, keep begging to pay Cause I got the goods it takes to please And I know just what a cowboy needs Buddy, let's ride, let's ride Take it round back Let's ride, let's ride We gonna toss that haystack Let's ride, let's ride Jack Nathan Harding, let's ride. <laughs> Congratulations, Jack, on this. Talk about this music. Um, you were always interested in the theatrical side of musicals, we heard. Where did this love of music come from? Were you always a music fan as well? I've always been involved in music um, from um, growing up in, in uh, the Baptist church um, through um, uh, high school, um, had great music programs, um, I did band a little bit, orchestra, um, mostly choir, though. Um, that was what I, I, I most related to, which also you had choir in church. And th- the sound and, and the power of a whole bunch of voices singing, it's just live. It's just something that you just can't duplicate. And the feeling and the vibration of that is super powerful to me. Right. That's awesome. So, I love that. And what – oh, keep going. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to wrap. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, but so um, d- doing choir and stuff, the, the thing is these were all um, things where I was a small part of the unit where, um, you know, I was good at choir because I could listen, I could blend, um, but it was always being a part of something. But what I found is, is after – after high school, after after um, growing up, I I didn't have I didn't have my own voice. I was I was accomplished at choral music, but that's that wasn't really my own voice. That was me being part of something. And so I hadn't ever tried to find or tried to discover or play with what what is my real singing voice. Um, and I didn't for a long, 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 long time. Um, but then um, a year or so back, I, I felt the need. I, I just had to create. It's like I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what I want to do. But you know, the acting thing is going great. But it is. It's kind of part of a machine. And it is. You know, I go. I do my part, my little little thing, and then I'm done, which is all fine and good. But again, it was being a part. It's like I need to. I need to create something that's that's me, 
that's kind of right. for, for an outlet for, for me just to create. And so I wrote this big, giant musical <laughs> that has 19 <laughs> songs in it um, called The Big Tank. And I spent a, about a year, year and a half doing that. Um, and in doing so, I recorded demos for all these songs, which started, um, uh, which was really how I learned how to record. Um, but I made this big musical, and I was all excited, and, and I did it, you know, just finishing something like that, right? Writing the end is a, is a big deal. And then I thought, well, crap, this is a big, giant musical. This is not something that I can just go do and have, and have happen. So in the meantime, while that's percolating and being reviewed by people, et cetera, et cetera, with this um, – little bit of expertise I had, had uh, learned in recording all of these demos, I thought, well, I wonder if I could do this for real. Do, really do a song, write it, record it, master it, put it out on the iTunes, monetize it, and just see what happens. Right? We're right. in a day and age where with a little elbow grease, you can, you can do that. You can, and, and, and so I was excited to try to just make a thing, just this thing, this small thing, a song, make a video, and just put it out there and be done. I created a thing, and it's out there, you know, without asking permission. I didn't have to go to an audition. I didn't have to prove to somebody else to be able to, you know, it's like I just did it. DIY completely myself, just just to create, not not with an end goal, just to create, and um, that's kind of how the first one happened. That's how let's let's ride happen. I just wanted to see if I could do it. I love that. And what um, I mean, this big musical was kind of country western. What made you pick the country vibe? Is that your Texas upbringing? Was that your flavor of music? Or what's made you kind of go in this country route? Um, you know, when I was a kid, I was not into country music, partially because that was the music of the people who were, you know, being mean to me. <laughs> um, right. I found country, but I found it again later. And what I love about country music is what everybody does, I think. It's the storytelling. Um, for me, it's the singability. Um, there are songs that generally you can sing along to. Of course, nowadays there's much more processing involved in country as well, but it's still, it still is, it's, it's just more basic for me. I just, I just relate to it. And um, writing songs, that just kind of seems to be the kind of songs that came out of me were were country. So gotcha. I guess I guess it was always in me. I don't know, but um but yeah, that's I would say that's the genre I relate to most. I love that. And are you surprised we're getting so many I've had three gay country artists in the last couple months here. We have Brandon Stansel, Cameron Hawthorne, Hayden Joseph. Are you surprised how quickly it's kind of becoming mainstream because you never really thought of gay and country music before but it's really becoming more accepting everywhere have you felt that at all or are you just kind of in, immersed in it so not really 
attention to you. Well, no, I have I've really enjoyed watching um, these guys um, that are already that have already established themselves in one way or another as a country artist coming out as gay. I think that's I think that's great. I think you know, and everyone makes it more comfortable for the next one, right? So so that's all good. Um, right. I, I I think it's great. How and I'm glad to see when they um, when those guys are writing songs or making videos um, that that aren't that aren't so generic that that it's like oh there's there's two dudes they are in love or you know it more than just being out but then maybe your your um, I don't know what I'm trying to say maybe your 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 songs are still very um, I don't know what I'm saying. So relatable. I'm wacky. Relatable, but yeah. more... Yeah, relatable to everybody. Actually, relatable to straight and gay audiences. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's the thing, you know, um, Let's Ride and um, Boots, both of those songs are definitely male-male pronoun songs. Um, right. I definitely wanted... Um, the first two, I, I definitely wanted to write not just be a gay artist but to write some specifically gay country songs because those just don't exist as in as great a number as obviously regular country songs um right but like behind every smile you know that's a song about feelings so it's relatable to everybody i'm because i'm not talking about just boy feelings or just gay male feelings you know it's it's feelings so um so I think all gay artists are going to have both types of songs, you know, songs that are specifically gay and then songs that are gay because they came from a gay artist, I guess. Right. No, that makes sense. No, that. of course. Um, and, you, and you talk about that um, behind the smiles of the world. What is your songwriting um, style? Um, how do these songs come to you? Are there um, do you come up with the music first? You come up with the lyrics first and place music to it, or what is your style? Well, I always say, my, for me, songwriting is really bad depression and a whole bunch of weed. And man, I can put out a, a song. No, you know, but, but honestly, um, a lot of my songwriting has come from depression, trying to, to pull myself out, trying to, um, I guess I should say, I've written a lot of these songs to myself. Um, um, there's songs in the musical, you know, about, about going on, about persevering. These are all songs that I write, like, Jack, come on now, <laughs> pick yourself up, <laughs> come right. on, write another lyric, do keep, just keep going, this this feeling, this depression, it's, it's a feeling and you can go through it and it will not last. And, and I have found by creating, um, I am able to keep that and keep that darkness at bay um, because I feel, I feel heard. I feel, you know, right. I'm, I'm expressing myself and um, that's what I found is what, what makes me depressed is not feeling heard, not feeling like I have a voice. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. I love that. 
Um, and talk about bringing your two arts together. I mean, you've, you've been a filmmaker now, you're doing music, and now you get to create these videos, and you're kind of upping the game each time. Talk about the process for bringing a video together. Do you like that? Is it tougher work than you thought? Uh, but talk about doing these music videos, and are you able to combine these two elements of your life? How does that feel? Well, it's kind of weird, and, you know, I've um, the the next one, or the fourth one comes out, you know, Friday, but so I've, I've done a limited number of these. It, it has been really interesting because um, of the different hats I wear, and right now they're although they're, they're similar, they're different. Like when I'm in recording mode, I'm just in recording mode of that song, and it's like that's all I'm doing. Then it comes video time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, now how, how am I, I going <laughs> to enhance this story or how am I going to add? I just, I just made this, the best song I think I can make, right? That's what we all do, right? I, I, I just created this great song, but no, I'm not done because now I have to actually create another piece of art to help get that out of there because you know we're we're visual right um but um i did not do any of the editing on the previous film that i had made and so um this has been a learning curve um as far as video editing for me um figuring it out learning learning the program um learning what you can do i've um it's been amazing realizing what i can imagine in my brain that with today's technology and knowing a few steps you can kind of make that happen i i'm amazed right. at the worlds i've i've been able to create um that that surprised me it's like oh wait i'm that looks good that looks like i'm on a sound stage or something, but I know it's not. I know that I created that <laughs> in in my you know editing software, and um, it's it's been fun to uh, to play and discover because because we are in a day and age where um if I want to play the piano in a dark room with um, all kinds of beautiful incandescent lights floating around me, I don't have to I don't have to wish. I can I can create that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's great. Now, have you thought about that? Now you have uh, the big tank that you've already written and you already put together, and so many actors are doing their own projects, like web series. Now, have you ever thought of adapting your own musical into like a web series? Dude, absolutely. That's that's um, that's a great point. You could have a web series, and you have a musical number or two, and everyone kind of like Glee, kind of something like that. Yeah, you know, um, especially, again, uh, to play the age card, um, so much of social media and technology and things that we're able to do now and how people are creating now is just so different than what we were brought up with or used to that um, I think a lot of people my age are – are, well, we're a little bit behind um, right. on, on the game and um, realizing that this is a different world and that the ways we try to get seen or the ways we try to um, further our careers are just 
different and, and uh, are so varied now, um, it's hard, to, it's hard to jump on the bandwagon. It's hard to jump on the technology bandwagon for me as a 50-something-year-old dude, you know. Um, but I'm young enough to realize that that's where it's at right now. There you go. Dude, I hear you, man. That's why I have Jordan running the boards today and all these interns on. I'm a great talker, but I don't know nothing about all this technology stuff. i got to tell you, I've been doing this for three and a half years. I've learned to talk a good game. But if I didn't have, I mean, I've, I've got this great group of interns. Jordan is an amazing graphic artist. I have people that know video and stuff because you need to, you always want to surround yourself with talent, obviously. But oh, obviously yeah. the younger people today know so much more than we do that it's really great to have people like this that learn it. But it's fun to learn it yourself, too. I'm having them teach me, which is kind of fun as well. So I, I hear where you're coming from. Very nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, I've always I've always been a DIYer, whether it's whether it's here at the house, whether it's music or creativity. You know, I'm always like, can I do that first? How, how do I know how to do that? Can I learn how to do that? That I always think of that way way before I ever think of um, asking for help or getting you know. And I don't you know it also lends to me being more of a hermit, I guess, too, but um, I just, I just, I've always wanted to try it myself first. And then if it's something I can't do or don't think I do good enough, then absolutely, I, I try to find somebody that can, that can do that. Nice. I like that. That is fantastic. And then we talked a lot there. You're putting all these great projects together, but they're primarily on video now. Are you looking to get out there and perform, hopefully, in the future? Do you, do you see that happening? Maybe a, a little uh, Blazing Saddles or Flaming Saddles in West Hollywood or anything? I do see that happening, absolutely. Um, you know, my approach for this, for this music side, has been so different. It, you know, Acting or other things I've done, um, there's always this end goal. Um, but but this was like, I'm just going to create these things. I'm just going to make this. And in being myself and in doing my own thing, I think things are going to happen. And I think this career may elevate. I'm just not um, pushing it in the same way I have pushed other things. I'm le- I'm mm-hmm. kind of riding the flow. But um, performing live is definitely something that's going to happen. Um, but since I don't have pressure on me right now, I don't want to rush in. Just because I can, I don't want to rush into anything. You know, sure. um, I'm, I'm sort of setting, I feel, I'm sort of setting a level of expectation with these videos, <laughs> throwing a lot of flashy lights and stuff at you. And... I think any any artist, you, you I kind of want to I want to bring something similar. If you're going to come see me live, you know I it, gotcha. I don't want it to be sure. completely pared down. So I just I just want to you know um, I've got a good team with me right now, um, and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at where my headspace is right now is starting to um, talk with my representation and. Um, start to make a game plan for for doing that. For you know, I would love to um do pride festivals, um just, just all kinds of stuff like that. But yes, um 
there's nothing like performing live. So absolutely, that's going to happen. Great. Well, we're going to play off in a couple of minutes here with Behind the Smile. But you did tease us. Talk about you have the new song, Fed Up, coming out this weekend. Uh, Tease us about that. What's that about a little bit? Well, Fed Up is um, it's kind of my own uh, country pride anthem, if you will. Um, it's I wrote it um, about a whole bunch of different people, different situations, where it's me saying I'm fed up with how I'm being treated, or I'm fed up with how I'm being valued by you or by this institution or or what have you. Like I said, it's it's a whole bunch of different different ideas, but it's kind of, it's kind of my, um, F you song, you know, it's my, I'm, you're not going to treat me bad anymore. You're going to, you're going to value me. It's so it's, it's, it's kind of my, uh, country pride anthem. Nice. I love that. And you're going to debut that you said this Friday. That comes out, uh, Friday, the video on YouTube. And then of course, all the, you know, iTunes and Amazons and Spotify's you can think of. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, it's been great getting to know you, Mr. Jack Nathan Harding. Thanks so much for coming on the Left of Straight show today. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I appreciate it. Anytime. we got to drop some new music. Whenever you have a project, you're going to have to come back and share it with my fans here. Uh, do me a favor. Let everyone know your website address, where they can find you on YouTube and social and all the fun stuff. All right. Um, the best place is jacknathanharding.com which will lead you to all my socials, all um, the music outlets, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm Jack Nathan Harding on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, the socials. Yep. Fantastic. And what's in the hopper now? After this music comes out on Friday, anything, what, what's your next project? Are you still writing or are you in the middle of writing or do you have another song in the back pocket there? I've got music in the back pocket, and it's kind of um, I'm taking a little little break to to decide which which one of those is going to pop its little head up and and be the next single. Fantastic. Well, guys, you've been listening to Mr. Jack Nathan Harding. Please go check his work, check some of his old movies and TV, and then get this music, guys. Support new music artists. If you like country, if you like some fun artists, if you like listening to new music, and you like to support the LGBT community, look up Jack Nathan Harding today. Jack, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Scott. All right, well, stay on the line for me, Jack. Guys, we're going to play out with uh, Jack's most recent single until Friday. This is called Behind Every Smile. When we come back, we're going to be talking to executive pastry chef uh, Josh Livesley, who also is on the Best Baker of America contest right now on Food Network. Uh, Jordan, take it away. Shoot them looks of steel But that ain't real 
I am fantastic. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Like I said, I've been a fan since your first shot on um, Food Network. And, of course, we have a whole other show we'll tease in a little bit here. But glad to have you on. How's everything in beautiful downtown Boston today? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to be uh, to be here talking to you. Um, actually, today's weather is awful. It's in the 40s and raining. <laughs> I um, hear you, dude. We're almost, dude, I'm we're, in northeast Ohio. This is like the, the winter that's never ending. You guys have had snow in parts of Massachusetts. Northeast Ohio, yeah. I'm yeah. raining and feel like I'm soggy. I'm over it. I got to yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for summer weather. Exactly. Well, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Let's start at the beginning. I always like to have first guests on. I get a little bit of background. Talk about where you grew up. Yeah. What kind of a kid were you, and what you first want to be when you grew up? Okay. <laughs> um, so I am from Rhode Island and that's where I was born and raised. Um, you know, growing up um, with a big family, I've got a brother and two sisters. Um, yeah, just kind of had a, a pretty normal childhood. Um, growing up, um, I definitely had no idea that I wanted to be a pastry chef. That wasn't even on my radar. There is no one in my family that <laughs> is even in the hospitality industry. Uh, <laughs> I actually come from uh, a family of teachers. Um, wow. So growing up, um, I guess that was always, always kind of an option in the back of my head. Um, but I think it was probably in high school when I realized that um, that cooking was like a career option. And I discovered pastry, and um, I was, like, really into art. Like, I loved um, just creating things. I took a lot of art classes, drawing. And um, when I discovered that, like, you could combine that with food and, um, like, I could focus my career on, like, becoming a a pastry chef, um, I just went for it. I just was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I set my, my sights on that and just ran with it. I love that, and I actually had that question a little farther down, but I want to ask it now because there's such an artistic side to pastry making. You guys make incredible work, and with your way you form all these chocolate and using everything, you really can't teach art, can you? I mean, don't you have to have that knack to get into it, or can that actually be taught Uh, a little bit? uh, There's a little bit. I mean, um yeah, I mean, I feel like there are people who are definitely more artistic and kind of just innately have that, that skill and that talent. Um, but that being said, there there's still a lot of work that goes into it, perfecting it. And when you're looking at pastry, there's so much art mixed with science. There's a combination of the two. So there's a lot of, like, precision and following recipes and um, just kind of knowing how ingredients interact with each other um, and how things work, especially with chocolate. Chocolate is this crazy world of um, kind of has its mind of its own, um, but mixing that also with art and being able to have an eye for what looks good and um, being able to create, especially when you get into cakes and uh, wedding cakes or, yeah, chocolate show pieces, or even uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis with, like, a, a plated dessert on a, a plate. There's always a lot that goes into visually making that look stunning. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm going to jump into that now because I did have that later on, but you're right. I wanted to talk about the artistic side, and there is that science side of it. There are certain rules that you have to follow in baking 
Um, did you even have any idea before going into pastry school, all these little written rules or unwritten rules? It's kind of, there is a uh, science behind it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was oh, completely oblivious to that walking in. <laughs> I had never <laughs> stepped, like, stepped foot in a restaurant kitchen before or a bakery kitchen. I had done some stuff at home. I had taken like some really basic food classes in like the public school that I went to. Um, and so, yeah, like going in, in a way, I think it was better going in, not knowing anything. And I got that foundation. I went to Johnson and Wales University and I, I got this really solid foundation of like how to do things properly. I wasn't coming in with this kind of like haphazard, like knowledge of kind of working in a kitchen before. Um, I really went in learning from the very first time the right way, you know? Um, right. So, yeah. Well, talk about that for a second. Um, what going into school like that, because this is a serious, like you said, art and science combined to it. What did you find yeah. most surprising in school? Um, what were, what were uh, the things that shocked you the most that you learned about? Um, I would say the most shocking thing or like something that I try to instill in like my employees now or like people who are new to the industry um, you know, you go in and you, you see this because it's like what you see on TV or where you are able to kind of experience things before you actually get into it. Um, it's kind of very glorified, you know, and something I didn't realize was um, just kind of like the tedious work that goes into it. Um, almost half your day is spent like organizing and cleaning, you know, like that's like the biggest thing is I remember right. going into school and they're like, all right, the last hour of class is like cleaning. And you're, and you're like, don't realize that that's such a big part of, of this industry. You know, you're, you're making food for people to consume. You have to be working cleanly. Um, but even more to that, there's like that organization and, and kind of having, it's, it's called um, mise en place is like something that you learn um, really early on. And that's like having everything in its place and having right. that organization. Um, and that's, once you're able to kind of build that foundation and organization that then from there you can kind of build out um, and really immerse yourself in, in the, um, in the industry. Um, but yeah, that was definitely something going into school that um, I didn't realize was such a big part. Love that. That's awesome. Um, going to the personal part for a second, I was going to start there. Yeah. You, you were very out and proud when you were on uh, Food Network there. I love that about people that are able to own their own truth. When did you first come out to yourself, and when did you come out to others? Um, I probably came out to myself. Well, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I would say that I was in high, in high school. But, I mean, not fully out. Like, you know, there was that. Right. That part of me that was like, this is who I am, um, but I'm just going to hide it. And I don't feel like that was right. me fully coming out. Um, so that was me kind of realizing it. And I, and I would say that I came out to myself very early in college. Um, and then my sophomore year of college was when I started telling people and, um, and my family and my friends. Yeah. So gotcha. sophomore year. Yeah. So 19. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I just, I just hit my um, like 10 years. In January, I think. Nice. I love that. Yeah. And talk about um, <laughs> you're not single. Um, I stalk you on social media, of course, every time right. the show. So I see you have a gorgeous husband. And as I told you off air, 
I'm really upset about you getting engaged in Paris. So talk about where did you meet this guy and uh, talk about this love story here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so we met when we were both in Atlanta. Um, I had recently moved down there and actually had just gotten out of a um, long-term relationship. And, and honestly, I, I, I wasn't looking for anything. Um, and that's, that's always kind of when it happens, right? The best um, ones you never was, Yeah, you usually find the best <laughs> ones when you're not. <laughs> right. And um, we actually started out as friends. We hung out for a while as friends, and then it um, kind of built up to more than that. Um, and it was his first relationship with the guy. So um, I was like, you know what? If you want to date me, you're going to have to ask me out. So <laughs> Um, nice. I kind of waited until he was ready and, and, um, he asked me out and then things moved actually pretty quickly at first. We like moved in together. We got a dog together. Um, and then we were like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we dated for, um, just over four years and then we got engaged last summer in Paris. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Actually, show that I was. Thank you. Thank you. On the last show that I was on, that's what I said I was going to do with the the winnings was take him to um, to Paris. And even though we right. didn't, I didn't win, uh, we still were able to make the trip. And and um, yeah, that's where it happened. He actually we had we had decided pretty early on that we were both going to propose when we were ready, and that we were each going to do it. Um, and we both oh, nice. planned it for Paris. <laughs> so I um, <laughs> he proposed. Um, when we were in the gardens of Versailles, that was, um, that's always been on my bucket list of places to visit. So he did it there. Um, and then we also, we competed in the gay Olympics while we were in Paris. <laughs> and after the race that we did, I, I proposed to him. Fantastic. What event did you guys do? Yeah. Uh, we just did the 5k run. Oh, very cool. Nice. Yeah. He really wanted, he really wanted, he's a swimmer. He really wanted to swim, um, but I'm not a swimmer <laughs> and we wanted to do right. it together. So that was, that was one that we could do. I love that. And you are engaged and committed, but there is a little bit of a side love there. Um, talk about all of a bit. I see her everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried a second there. I was like, is there a side woman? Um, yeah. Yeah. She's my, I think everyone that I work with is really sick of hearing about her. She is, I'm way too obsessed <laughs> with her. Yes. I love our dog, Olive. Um, we rescued her, um, of, yeah, about four years ago. And, um, yeah, all my free time is pretty much just spent with her. <laughs> nice. And she's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, well, we already skipped over school here. I want to go into your cake business a bit. Such a hard industry. Um, talk about that. What made you want to start that, and what was the kind of highs and lows of that business? Do you still do that on the side for friends and things? Um, I uh, A little bit. So it was when I was done with college, and I had taken a job um, at a bakery, and that bakery did not offer um, cakes at the time. So she allowed me to kind of do my own side business, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun to be able to um, create cakes for people, something that I really enjoyed, kind of that artistic outlet. Um, unfortunately, I was working like 50-ish hours a week at the bakery, so being able to kind of run a cake business while working 50 hours a week just became um, 
kind of became a little bit too much. Um, so it was to the point where sometimes I'd have six cakes a week and then also have to work 50, 55 hours at the bakery. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so it, it just became – it got to this point where it was – it just was too much. It became very stressful, and um, I just was not in a, like, healthy state of being. <laughs> so gotcha, I kind of sure. Put that, um, put that on the side um, for now, but I, I definitely have dreams of um, owning my own business one day and really being able to commit everything to owning my own um, my own shop. Very cool. What was the most elaborate cake you had commissioned or you thought up for somebody? Oh, man. Um, most elaborate. Well, I did just recently do um, a cake for a woman who um, – I did it out of the restaurant because sometimes I do some on the at the restaurant here. Um, and it sure. was actually a, a, a woman's torso, a very busty woman. Uh, <laughs> And she wanted diamonds. So I saw a diamond that on necklace. Instagram. That <laughs> was pretty impressive. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, yeah, and I actually I have one coming. My niece and nephew um, just had their birthdays, and they're going to do a pirate-themed birthday party. Um, so I have um, a pirate-themed cake in the works, actually. And then nice. the next big one Very for me cool. would be would be my my uh, wedding cake in September. You're going to put yourself to that kind of pressure and make your own cake? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my god! I've got to. I've got to. Every, I mean, everyone who's coming to the wedding will be expecting me to make the cake. Um, and I don't know if I would trust You are meeting so many it, of these so. great bakers all over the country. <laughs> Have one of your fellow competitors do it. Relax, dude. <laughs> That's funny. I can understand yeah, that. You I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. All right, and I also want to talk to you uh, – I got to tell you, donuts one of my favorite pastries, and you have these pop-ups you've been doing. How did that idea come about? Um, and talk about that a bit. I love donuts. Yeah, <laughs> everyone loves donuts. Yeah, so we started that um, about a year ago on our our patio, like a way we have this really awesome patio here at Harvest, and it's a little secluded, and it was kind of a way for us to be able to promote our patio a little bit and be able to kind of for me to be able to make desserts for people who maybe didn't want to come in and have a full meal and have a dessert, but just come in for donuts quick. Um, so it kind of started as this idea that we would just do a really fun little pop-up and they really picked up um, in traction. We did, we started doing themes with them. Uh, the first thing we did was um, the Royal wedding um, last May. Um, and we got a lot of uh, PR and press behind it and we had a a lot of people who showed up, and so we said, you know, we're just going to run with the theme each time. Um, and we did a Harry Potter theme in October, and that was insane. <laughs> we literally had a line <laughs> that was around the building and and down the block, oh my and goodness, we ended I up bet. we sold out of donuts before the doors even opened, um, just oh because goodness. of that. So many people showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. we just did one. Our first one of this year was. Um, Last weekend, we did on May 4th, and we did a Star Wars theme, and we had some really um, fun ideas for that, and that was fun. Fantastic. Let's dive into the restaurant a little bit. Talk about Harvest. It's uh, going on a couple years past 40 years, your 40-year anniversary in 2015. Give me a little background on the restaurant and what brought you there. Um, Yeah, okay. So we can talk about Harvest. So Harvest is – has been around for 
43 years, I believe. Um, so it, it has been here for quite some time. Um, it has turned over owners uh, since it opened, and um, there's very few people in the industry in Boston who haven't um, been through this restaurant at some point. So there's a lot of history here. Um, Julia Child used to come and eat here all the time, and um, there's just wow. some very well-known chefs who, who have worked here. Um, so when I moved back up to New England, um, I knew that I wanted to be stepping into a restaurant that that was established and had um, that had already had a name for itself um, as my kind of my first um, job here in Boston. So that's kind of what drew me to it. And Harvest was kind of one of the first restaurants in this area to to do the whole farm to table seasonal menu um, gotcha. type of thing that's now very very common. Um, and we, we still stay very true to kind of the original concept of what Harvest is. We work with a lot of local vendors. Um, we use a lot of seasonal ingredients, um, with the different farms around and, um, but we also fight really hard to, to stay relevant too. We don't want to be known as that, that stuffy old 40 year old restaurant, you know? So we're always trying to do stuff, you know, like the donut, donut pop up and, um, different events to really stay, um, to kind of attract all different types of crowds. Um, but we also still maintain our integrity of being um, like a white tablecloth restaurant. Um, that's a place that's a really, a place where you come and celebrate something, you know? Nice. I'm such a foodie. I love going to places like that. You're on Harvard Square, which is so much history and so beautiful around there. Talk about what an executive pastry chef really does. What does your job entail? I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into the planning of the menus, I can imagine, and the seasons. Talk about what all your job encompasses. Yeah, of course. So as the executive pastry chef, I am in charge of overseeing everything pastry for the restaurant. Um, we do a lot of private events, so I do stuff for that. Sometimes that involves uh, like dessert displays or wedding cakes. Um, and then we do lunch and dinner seven days a week, so I'm preparing all the desserts for um, for, for that. We also do all our own bread in-house, so making the bread for dinner service and lunch service. Um, we make our own, like, burger buns and lobster rolls and um, all our ice creams and sorbets. Everything's made from scratch right here in-house. And as the pastry chef, I oversee my team, uh, but because – it is pastry and the pastry team tends to be a little bit smaller. I'm also very involved. Um, so I'm in the kitchen every single day doing, um, preparing, actually preparing the desserts, but also there's a lot of time involved in planning, um, working, um, kind of designing menus. And because we are a seasonal restaurant, we are often changing our menu. Um, so every few weeks or so we change a few of the items. Um, so it's this constant, um, kind of flow of new items coming on the menu and I have a really great team so I'm definitely not doing it all by myself um, they actually are um, without them there is no way I could be doing the things that I'm, I'm able to do um, sure. like being able to step away to go go film a show um, and know that the restaurant's in good hands when I leave um, and and being able to have that solid team with me um, has one been the, probably the hardest thing that I've had to do since I started here. Um, but two, it's like the most crucial thing, um, being able to rely on people 
to have like the same vision as you and to be able to maintain the standards um, when you're not here is, is huge. So I really owe a lot to my, my awesome pastry team. Fantastic. I love that. And like you said, especially farm to table and people that are seasonal, there are so many seasons and to design those, what kind of work goes into that? Do you, uh, do you create these things at home? Do you spend all the time at the restaurant? How do you get your ideas for things you want to put on the menu? Um, yeah, so I do, I never bake at home <laughs> and it's all in the restaurant and I leave it at the restaurant, Smart man. Uh, but I, I am, I, uh, <laughs> I am doing a lot of research, um, outside the restaurant. So that's like pulling recipes from, um, from different chefs from either like, um, from magazines or from books or online, um, and really getting inspired. We're living in a world now with social media and, and just being able to have, so much information readily available, but also being able to have this community um, to share ideas with. Um, that's part of the reason that right. I love to post stuff on my social media is to inspire other people, hopefully that they can get ideas from me. And then at the same time, I'm seeing what people do and kind of getting inspired by them. Um, so one of my biz- biggest inspirations is, is other chefs. And um, I love that. when I am, yeah. And, it, and it's a really cool community. Like the, I feel like the pastry community is very um, welcoming and supportive of each other. Um, that's just kind of the type of people that this profession attracts. Um, it's a little more cutthroat on the savory side, but in pastry, you know, um, we're kind of usually a little bit of the outcast of the restaurant. So we kind of band together when we can and look out for each other. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So it's really good to be able to have that platform of like, being able to be inspired by other people. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm able to, when I can be able to work in, um, trying new recipes or, um, trying new ideas. Um, a lot of my inspiration also comes from what's available. Uh, that's kind of where we start. Um, we see the, we'll visit farms every once in a while and kind of see what, what, um, they're growing for the season. They'll send us lists of things that they've got available. Um, and that's kind of where it starts. And then we just build from there. Gotcha. That answers my question, how the heck you stay so damn skinny? You don't bake at home ever. So I always wonder how pastry <laughs> chefs stay so skinny. You're, it's like crazy to me. All right, very yeah. cool. Well, when we come back, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your Food Network experience. We can talk about, about the, the past shows. We're going to hint on one that you just started last night, but since it's still going on, we can't talk too much about it. Let's take a second, and we're going to play a little bit of Jay Knight. This is uh, Let Me Go. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Take it away, Jordan. You think that you're smooth. I can see in your eyes. You think it's okay when you tell all these Everybody knows that your life has been exposed and you're never gonna live it down, girl. All you did is pain and it's driving me insane cause you're never gonna change. You just don't care what you do to me now. Breaking my heart when you run around. Suffering silence is what you prefer. You need to let me go 
don't got a line, but you said it time and time And you'll never break my heart again, girl All you give is pain and it's driving me insane Cause you're never gonna change You just don't care what you Using all of their 
materials. So you can't know. You got to yeah, keep everything going, in your head, or are you allowed a little cheat sheet at all? Yeah, you're just going in blind. Like you don't know anything, and it's a whole different world. It's like it's not anything like anything I do on a daily basis. You know, um, it, you know, you're going to make TV, so you go into this. So all of us went into it, had never having done a show before. You have no idea what to expect. Um, sure. And they're just like they just are throwing challenges at you and there's like little to no time to think. And then the clock starts and you just go. And at that point you like, don't have any, um, you can't like change your mind. You're like, this is what I'm doing. And it's so funny because like when you watch the show after or people say stuff to you after they're like, Oh, why didn't you do that? Or why didn't you do this? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just picked something and ran with it. And then the time was up and <laughs> that was it. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's just this, this very, um, stressful blur. <laughs> For anyone, I mean, they have home cooks on there as well as professional bakers and things like that. What is um, some go-to, if you had to have some go-to recipes, if you were a home chef and wanted to compete on something like that, what would you say you need to have in your back pocket memorized? What's a good good pastry chef have memorized? Um, for me, it would be um, oh man, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, guess kind of just going back to like the basics of pastry stuff, like having a good uh, like vanilla cake, having a good chocolate cake, a good buttercream recipe, a good pastry cream recipe, a good chocolate mousse recipe. Um, uh, yeah, kind of just like the main and on glaze gotcha. recipe because that can be used for either like a sauce or it can be used turned into an ice cream um, or. Um, yeah, I guess those are kind of like the main ones that you would need, and then gotcha. um, and then from there, you if once you kind of have that like foundation, you can make tweaks to stuff, you know, and make it something a little bit different um, than just kind of a basic recipe. And they always throw those little twists with you and different things. What was your hardest ingredient you had to work with on the holiday baking show? So <laughs> those, oh man, so they. I would literally forget that there was going to be a twist every single time. You know, you get into like, you get into the groove of like what you're doing. You're so focused and you, you're, right. gonna, you're trying to do a thousand things. And every single time without fail, the host would come out and be like, here's the twist. And I'd be like, ah, I forget about this again. Um, I would say the hardest thing I had to use was, I'm trying to think back. It's been a little while. One of the earlier episodes, we used peanuts. Yeah, yeah, he used peanuts when we were making a dessert inspired by a cocktail. And it like oh, right. peanuts okay. did not did not go with my dessert. And at you all. had champagne or something, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of it weird. was a champagne cocktail. So it like made no sense, but I was like, I mean I gotta use it. So um I ended up just like candying them and putting them with the uh with the dessert <laughs> I made. But right. Yeah, and they gave it and they were still in their shell. So then we had to spend all this time like shelling peanuts um so that was fun oh my goodness now you uh you did really well that first time i mean you won the very first challenge you went on to win three of the main challenges and at least one of the quick fire things that quick fire i'm confusing shows i'm going to bravo all of a sudden food network's gonna fire me right. not let me talk to anymore <laughs> guests anymore um but talk about uh going into that finalist what kind of confidence level there's three of you there You've won quite a bit. Um, 
how do you kind of take something like that in stride? Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, going, I had in the show total, I'm pretty sure that I won a majority of, uh, out of anyone I had won the most. Um, so yeah, I definitely was going yeah. in with the most wins. Um, unfortunately, I didn't win the one that, that counted. But, <laughs> uh, but going into the finale, I was up against um, some pretty fierce competition. It was down to like probably you know, like the top three of us. I was going up against someone who spends um, her her day make pretty much just making cakes, and it was the final challenge of the cake. So I knew um, right. that was going to be really tough. And then the other one was a woman who's been doing pastry for like 50 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I mean, what what if Jennifer owned a bakery, and I think Stephanie she was an instructor or something, right? So yeah, I mean, like, uh, and she had also like Stephanie had owned her own thing and had worked at a lot of places and. Uh, was a certified uh, master baker and was an instructor. Right. Yeah. So a lot of experience there. Crazy. Um, well, you held yeah. your own, my friend. So luckily, like I said, I, you were kicking butt all through that competition. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I, but I had a lot of fun, though. It was, um, the biggest surprise to me, actually, was how well I got along with the other contestants. Um, nice. They were just, like, great people. Like, we still talk all the time. Um and we had a reunion um, last fall where a bunch of us got together, and it was so like it was like we had only been away for like a day, and we're all back together. Um, I just oh, think I that, love like, hearing that. We were, we were we were all thrown into this like very stressful situation, um, and we were all nervous, and that's kind of what like brought us all together for like this kind of sense of security, knowing that everyone was just sure. as stressed as I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. And talk about, I mean, you only see the judges for a very short time. Uh, what was it like to see Duff? This is someone that kind of inspired your career. Did you guys get a chance to talk much off screen, or do they keep them kind of away most of the time? You're dealing with Bobby most of so, the time. So, um, yeah, we um, did not really see them very much. So, I mean, it's a competition show, um, and they're sure. the judges. Um, so there wasn't really – there was no interacting with them other that than makes sense. Um, yeah. them us judging our, our food. Uh, but that being said, there's a lot of judging that's edited out because, there, you know, you're taking so much – such a large amount of filming time and reducing it to just a very small amount. Um, so right. my interactions were much longer than what you see on TV, but it was all very much um, just them kind of uh, critiquing our food, which that was a whole new – strange experience too to have someone right pick apart your dessert for like for like 20 <laughs> minutes while you stand and stare at them <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine oh my goodness well let's move on for a second you have now been invited back started last night the best baker in america um so good on you for that we can't talk too much about it but it did have its big premiere last night my first question is why do they give $50,000 for a lousy holiday baking and only 25000 to the best baker in America? I don't understand. Help me out here. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a question for Food Network. <laughs> um, I, be- and I believe, I think that they brought, they brought the prize money for holiday down to twenty five. I think last season. Oh, did they? Just, okay. Yeah. I didn't pay attention this season. I got to be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about um, yet it, now you're against some of the best of the best out there. So that's going to be an exciting time. We're going to watch every Monday. Um, talk about the, the different judges and everything. Jason has got to be just a character. 
it, it's yeah. got to be kind of funny. He's a hoot. Oh, yeah, amazing. I watching, him, watching him on that, um, when he was on holiday baking and um, like the first episode or two being like, oh, this guy's really annoying. And then by episode three, <laughs> I was like, all right, no, that's just, he's not putting on an act. That's just like, that's just who he is. He's generally, ju- right. generally just this kind of goofy guy. Um, and then that's kind of when you fall in love with him, once you realize that he's not just there. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit it's silly, but that's like, that's who he is on and off the camera. And, um, and he just owns it, you know? So yeah, he, he was really funny and, and fun to work with. Nice. And I love Scott comment. I mean, I'm a huge chop fan. And so I love him to death. So I think that's kind of, I like him. Bobby Dean is okay. He's nice, but I like Scott a lot more. So that's gotta be kind of fun. Um, yeah. And it's great to have someone. He was, he's like very much an industry guy. He's like very much a chef. Um, so it was, right. it was very refreshing to have him. When I did um, holiday baking, the the host was Jesse Palmer, who's not really he's not a chef, you know. Uh, so to have um, someone who's been in the kitchen before and owns restaurants, and to have them be the host, um, just interacting with him was really cool. Yeah, he was he was and he's cool. he's he's really funny too. Nice. Well, that was my credit. We're not going to talk any more about it because we have another couple six or seven episodes left. I got to tell you, my first picks, I always kind of do first picks. Um, when I, I, this, like I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to live tweet the last couple of seasons um, for a lot of the shows, but I always usually pick, I usually pick the winners or close to it. Like I picked you um, the first time. I picked Dwayne, um, a couple, Ingram. I picked a lot of the winners. Andy, I picked the winner of. Uh, the only one I'm scared about right now on you, and I was very surprised, last night to see him on the bottom was Jeffrey just with his pedigree and people I picked ahead of time. So don't tell me what's going to happen. I know you can't anyway, but he's the only one I'm scared with you for. So uh, I'm excited to see you on all these shows. It's going to be kind of exciting for best baker in America. Talk about how that relates back to harvest. Now you talk about doing these great events. Are they really open to like, you talk about doing different social media events. What if you brought any of your fellow contestants back to like a featured weekend? Would they be open to something like that? Is that something that'd be fun to you? Or what do you kind of hope to see with um, working these shows into the restaurant? Oh, that's actually, that's a good idea. I might have to propose that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) working, working for Harvest has been, has been amazing. Um, They have been supportive of pretty much every idea that I've had or, um, kind of anything that I've wanted to do. And um, I think that they know that well, I've, I've put a lot of effort into um, into my work and, and really love to see things come to life and really put the effort into making sure I follow through with stuff. Um, and in turn, they allow me to, to really do some really fun stuff. And um, I think to be able to have an employer like that is, is very unique and um, it's what's kept me here for so long. And um, why I'm enjoying it so much. Fantastic. Well, I will have to come and visit soon. I used to live in Springfield, Mass. So I used to go to Boston a lot, but I haven't been in quite a few. Yeah, I did. I lived there for two years, actually. Um, and then I lived okay. in Enfield, Connecticut, right around the corner for a while. So not too far away. I'm familiar with the Northeast pretty well. Uh, I want to come check it out. I love Tyler. How do you say his last name? Kinnett? Kinnett? Kinnett. Kinnett. Um, I followed him on social media for a long time, too. I like having young, strong chefs that have a lot of different experience like both of you have. 
what kind of pressure do you put on yourself? Because like I said, doing my research here, you guys had an executive uh, pastry chef there, Brian Mercury, who went on to win the best pastry chef in Boston Magazine in 2014 and food and wine in 2013. Do you ever have that in the back of your mind? Do you put pressure on yourself for that at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would had some really big shoes to fill stepping in here. Um, yeah, he is so well known in so well known and respected in this city as a as a professional as a pastry chef. Um, he actually just won best pastry chef in Boston again last year um, for his new restaurant that he's at. Um, but I also owe a lot of why the pastry program is so successful here. Um, he really built this foundation of and set the standard for what pastry should be at harvest. Um, so I knew coming in that that was going to be a big role to fill. And, um, you know, for the first year and a half, I was the new Brian Mercury, you know, <laughs> I wasn't Joshua Lipsy right. yet. I was the new Brian. Um, oh, you took also that for Brian and Brian. Uh, so that took about a year and a half, <laughs> two years until people um, stopped saying that. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and yeah, there's definitely been a lot of pressure. And once I was able to finally kind of build up a, a team that I could rely on, we're, we're now able to do some really great stuff. And I'm, I'm so happy with um, everything we put out. I was actually just talking to my sous chef the other day that this the dessert menu that we have right now is um, my favorite one. Um, that'll probably change nice. next week and I'll hate it, but, but for now it's my favorite <laughs> one. Um, and when I feel like go. we're just, we're just keep pushing and, and just keep getting better. Um, and and that's um, and that's what keeps me like feeling fulfilled um, with my job here, um, and keeps me you know coming back every day. Fantastic. Well, give my listeners a summer hint. What what would be a good summer bakery treat to try this summer? If you had an idea um, to give someone some hints, what what kind of ingredients or what should they be looking to do this summer? Any trend you see happening? Uh, trends, 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 trends. Um, I mean, summertime for me just is like fresh fruit. I know that's like nice. sounds so overdone, but I just, I get so excited, um, in the summer for like, like starting with like strawberries in June and then moving on to other berries in July and then moving on to like, um, peaches and stone fruits into August and September, um, yeah, I just love just making sure what's what's so important to me is like making sure that you're getting getting your ingredients at the peak of their season. Um, like right now we're um, coming in on strawberry season and then like in just taking advantage of having strawberries when they're ripe and when they're supposed to be eaten um, right. and just really enjoying it before you move on to the next one um, and really just and not. I don't know. There's something about you shouldn't be eating strawberries in February. <laughs> Just wait until <laughs> June. Um, unless, of there course, you're go. California, and then they have a, a much bigger window. Um, but here in New England, yeah, we've got a few weeks in June where we can really enjoy local strawberries. Um, but, yeah, that's yeah. for me. That's it. Just being able to focus on what's, what's ripe at the time and, and really um, enjoying it. Fantastic. Well, Joshua, lovely. thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Wish you so much luck. Guys, you got to be listening every Monday, 9 o'clock on Food Network for the best baker in America. Do me a favor, Joshua. Tell me where they can find you on Instagram with some of these beautiful shots that you put of all your food and, of course, a puppy from time to time. 
<laughs> well, mostly puppy. Um, so uh, on Instagram, I am Josh Ganache, um, which is actually funny with a nickname that was given to me a while ago that I was refused to, like, adopt. Um, and then finally <laughs> she, like, convinced me to use it, and now everyone loves it. Um, but yeah, so Josh Ganache on Instagram and that's, and that's usually, that's the biggest social media platform that I use, um, just cause I can post pictures of my work. Nice. And guys definitely look up the Harvest website on Harvard Square in Cambridge. It is a beautiful looking restaurant. Stay on the line for me, Josh. I appreciate it. We'll talk off air in a second. Guys, thanks for tuning in to the Left of Straight show today. We are going to be back next Monday and Tuesday for our last live shows until we hit Palm Springs for the Big Gay Road Trip in June. So thanks for listening. Josh, again, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate it. All right, we're going to play out with You're an Animal by Matt Stern up in Canada. He's going to be down to the Big Gay Road Trip, uh, coming from Canada to Palm Springs in about two short weeks. Jordan, go ahead and take it away. Cannot.